When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. We're still logged. Um, we still have recorded live. As we get to the other side of perhaps what we are most called to do in our entire journeys with God, man, we have got to be where we can be strengthened by Jesus alone because it's coming out of that intimacy, and all of us are going to tend to really prefer that Jesus loves on us and speaks to us through someone we can touch and, and see. But, man, he's weaning us continually right. so that we will be um, strengthened by him and that intimacy, that bond will be made. Amen. Hi, Joy. Hi, Beth. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much, Joy, for writing the book, Battlefield of the Mind. <laughs> My question is, as I read books by you, Joyce, and you other ladies, I realize that I got a lot of work. <laughs> As a leader, how much should I, should my soul mature before I answer the call? Oh, well, <laughs> Lord, I've heard this. When I started teaching, I was blowing smoke in everybody's face and putting short shorts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, I was sitting. I would sit in my living room with shorts as short as I could get them, and just puff away while I was teaching. Uh, all I can say, honey, is God not only knows where you're at; He knows where you will be. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that anybody be a bad example. I don't think that. You know, we need a lot of wounded healers out there running around. But God certainly didn't lose me on the world. He let me teach 20 people for five years, and I got to practice on them. So I would say ask God to open a door that you would be mature enough to walk through now and start getting some experience. Yes. And then each thing that God deals with you about, which there'll be many, He still deals with all of us every day. Each thing that God deals with you about, you walk through that with Him, you work through that with Him, and then you let Him promote you to the next level when He knows the time is right. I'll tell you how I pray. I don't pray like I used to. I used to pray, God, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that, make my ministry grow. God, make my ministry grow. Now I pray, God, please don't ever give me anything that I cannot handle and keep you first in my life. Thank you, Lord. Good. All right, we've got another question for you, honey. What's your name? Bailey. How old are you, Bailey? Ten. You are a brave ten-year-old. We're glad you're here. What's your question? Um, how do you get over losing a special person, like a family member? Bailey, I'm so glad you asked that question. And I'm so sorry because there's some reason why you asked that question that is very, very tender in, in my heart, and I'm so sorry that you even had to ask it. But I'm going to tell you that God is so faithful. And what I do know is that our tears and our grief, our, um, our sorrow, 
is safe with him, yes. uh, that we do get to work through and and cry and mourn when we lose someone because he knows how hard it is. There's this wonderful scene in John chapter 11 when he's watching his good friends Mary and Martha so grief-stricken over their brother Lazarus, and he knows he's going to raise him from the dead, but he's still just heartbroken watching the wages of of death, watching the pain that it causes. And you know what else? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the very last enemy that Jesus is going to fight, the very last thing that he will defeat is death. He hates death more than he hates the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Death. So he gets it in every way. He knows that lost the Father gave his one and only Son. So you take time with him. You know what else? You talk a lot about it to him. You also feel like you can find some people that you can talk to uh, face-to-face. Talk it out. What the Bible tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 4 is that we're just not to grieve as a hopeless person grieves. That if we, if they're in Christ, we know that we're going to see them again. Right. And it'll just be a very, very little while in, in the whole scope of eternity. So talk it out and, and, and grieve and also don't feel guilty when you also feel like laughing about something. That's a mercy and a grief. <laughs> right on up here. All right. What's your name? My name is Wendy. Wendy, what's your question? I've been following y'all for a long time, and without y'all, I couldn't have been saved on this journey mm. with your teaching. Uh, I would like to know when you know that you are healed from, you know, like you were just talking about grief. I had a journey um, for the last past seven years of Everybody close to me in my life died. But I know that I grieve without, I, I don't grieve without hope because they were saved. But at certain times, like the anniversary death, my daughter, my husband, my mom, my grandma, and there are days that I feel alone, but I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Something that I've, that I've learned in my life that, Maybe we'll help you. You know, you said, you said, you know, and then you said, but sometimes I feel. And we all go through that. But I think that what we know that we know that we know is so much more valuable than what we feel. You know, we all go through these times where we, we want to feel God's presence. Or when we pray, we're like, well, it, it's such a good prayer day if you feel Jesus all over the place and you feel like he hears you, but then what do you do when you have those days where you you don't feel his presence? And I don't know exactly when it happened to me, I guess, when your faith gets deep enough, but I came to a point where I don't even really try to sit around and ponder, do I feel God's presence? Because now I know that he's with me all the time. And so you see, even on those days when you feel lonely, as long as you know, then that knowing is going to get you beyond those days where you feel that way. Amen? Yes. You've got what you need. What's your name and your question? Antoine. And I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Let's just start right there. Um, 
I'll tell you what, I got saved as a little kid. I've had a life about like yours and, and Christine. And um got accepted the Lord again in two thousand three after a very long life of drug addiction and abuse on into my adulthood. Um, the last two years I've had a lot of health issues and kinda of got into myself because of the health issues. Um and things started coming up that I thought God had healed me from. They started saying little things like that my husband or my kids or some, it would just trigger some childhood memories. And they just started coming out. It was like there was a, there's a root in there. There's a big root in there. And it's, it's still in there, although I thought it was gone. Um, and what I've done lately is I've gotten outside of myself, which is what Joyce would definitely say in her 1,000 hours of teaching tapes and I've started ministering in. So I am feeling better, but I am on some anxiety and panic medication. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it um, stifles the Holy Spirit in me. So is your question how to help dig out that word? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That'd be it. One of you girls want to take it? Well, I I want to say this for myself, and I'll let my sisters um, speak to it, too, if they have a, a different answer, but I would not even begin to touch the matter of uh, of medication because that is way outside my league and uh, and so I would leave that to a, a good position and to a, the leadership of the Holy Spirit um, in you but I would like to speak to talking about that room I, I think that it's not um, a terrible thing to realize that sometimes God does do things in seasons and in in part that we may not, might not be ready in that season to go all the way down and under. But I'm going to tell you this. Um, I love to pray Matthew 15:13. Matthew 15:13, and it's where Jesus says, every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. And I, I love to pray that over my life and over my children and over my loved ones, that, Lord, whatever has gotten planted in us, that was not planted in us by our Heavenly Father, you pull it up by the roots. You pull it up. We don't want it. We don't want it. So if that helps, I love praying Scripture, and that's my verse. That's my turn to verse for that concept. Chris? The only thing I would say about the medication, where'd she go? Okay. Don't ever feel guilty or bad or less than because you're needing to take medication. Sometimes, I don't know why it is, but for some reason, people seem to think that taking something for your your nerves is a lot different than taking something for your arm if it hurts. I mean, your nerves are a part of you just like your arms and your legs and everything else, and sometimes they get damaged through a lot of overactivity. And just because you're in a season of your life where you're needing that right now, that doesn't mean that you will need that forever. But it is very important that you don't feel bad and feel guilty about it. And trust God that if issues are coming up again, that there's something else that God is going to do there that's going to work out good. And the main thing I would tell you is don't worry about it. I'll tell you what happens when you don't feel good. There's no time that we are more vulnerable to the enemy than when we've been sick. There's no time 
There, there's no quicker way for me to not walk in the fruit of the Spirit than to feel really bad or be so stinking tired I can hardly think. And so if you take those things into account that you've not been having good health and you've been dealing with that, you're probably doing a whole lot better than what you think you are, so you just keep on keeping on, and you'll be back to whole, full tilt reason. All right, what's your name and your question? Hi, I'm Dawn, and basically I feel like I was born with no self-confidence, and I am ready to have some, and I was wanting some advice on how in the world do you get it? Chris. Chris. <laughs> You know, uh, you probably this is probably most people's stories because these people they haven't been born with it. Most have had it knocked out of them um, by the time they get to kindergarten. That's right. So that would be the, it. Normally happens like that. And I would say for any of us, that would be uh, the journey that we're on. Number one, you're starting really well. You've positioned yourself in a place where God can speak to you. So that's very, very powerful. I'm a big believer in conferences like this for that whole reason. Um, and of course, you know. I'm a big believer in resources like books and Bible studies because the more words you can get, the only way you can get transformed is by being transformed. The only way you get transformed is by going through the process. Most people want to be zapped, healed and whole, but it takes a process for all of us. Um, none of us just went out on one altar call, someone spat on us, we got back up and went, whew, I'm healed and confident, praise be unto the Lord. You know, People would like to think that that's the case, but it is, and I need you to hear me, Ongoing. I'm 50 years old, and every single day, what we teach you, we have to live because we are all only ever one thought away from beginning to unravel and go back. And so, um, being in the Word, getting the Scripture, choosing to cut off some things that knock your confidence—that's what you've got to start to do. So replace your thoughts with God's thoughts. But I'm not going to jump in too much. Just stick around till the end of the conference. By the end of tomorrow's session, if you don't have 10 ways on how you're going to take the next step seriously, I don't know how to help you. That's all I have. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to give you one piece of advice. Don't ever say again, I don't have any confidence, and I want to know how I can get something. <laughs> If Christ is living in you, you've got all the confidence that you need. And you need to start by believing that. And the more you believe it, the more it's going to manifest in your life. In God's economy, we believe and then we see. We don't wait to see before we believe. So you start saying, even before you feel it, you start saying, I am a confident woman. Jesus lives in me. And I can do whatever I need to do through Christ. Well, now remember, if Christ is living in you, then you have all the confidence you need. So say out loud, I can do whatever I need to do through Christ. You know, I pray that this has been a time of real encouragement for you. But we're offering you more word. I am very big on the word because the word is what has changed my life. There's nothing better to invest your money in than teaching about God's word good books, CDs, DVDs, anything that's going to keep feeding you the Word of God. So today we're offering you eight teachings on CD called The Path to God's Purpose. I think you're really going to love these. Not only are you going to get teaching from me, but Chris Kane, John Gray, Beth Moore, there's lots of really good stuff. And so don't forget 
to order your CD series, and don't forget to get your ticket today for the Women's Conference. Our early bird pricing is ending soon, so you're never going to get a better deal than right now. We sure want to see you there. God bless you. Discover God's tailor-made destiny for your life when you order Joyce's teaching series, The Path to God's Purpose. In this special series, hear Joyce's powerful messages from the 2016 Love Life Women's Conference and hear from her special guests, John Gray, Christine Kane, and Beth Moore. Also included is a special session where Joyce, Beth, and Christine all answered personal questions from the audience. This eight-teaching CD set can be yours for a gift of $35 or more. And for your gift today of $85 or more, we'll also include a ticket to this year's Love Life Women's Conference. so awesome to, like, worship with so many thousands of women. The whole conference so far has been very, very inspirational. I love this. Yeah, I love everything about tonight, and I look forward to the rest of the conference. I cannot wait. Ladies, don't miss out on this exciting offer. So contact us right now for either offer, 1-800-727-9673, or visit us at JoyceMeyer.org. Holy moon, I will be led a man. Moon, I am a carillo. Kono, I will live. Visa, I can mess him. Limo, I can keep for yes. Sensa, 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 Kwan Kwasuka. No, 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 about three years ago, we were in the vault with one of starting up in Samuel. And I remember when we were kind of scoping out the land, I remember driving on this gravel road. And um, it took us forever to get there. The potholes in the road, and it was difficult conditions, and it was far away from us. And I remember speaking to the Lord and saying to the Lord, I don't think we should do this. Um, because it's just too hard, it's too far. Little did I know at the time, actually, that the western part of Zambia still has unreached people groups in them. And uh, the incredible disparity that these children have in that province. Even though I'm just going to be a, a Christian nation, to see what these like witchcraft and other places as well in the area. We are today, the way how we were living is we were very far behind with the sports sweats. People were found of drinking and whatever. Most of them they started their drinking beer, starting from the age of uh, 10. They live like, sort of like a life but in an area where there is no jobs, there is pretty much poverty. People go into the river to do fishing. Uh, the ladies go there to wash their clothes and also the catching drinking water. First sight when you look at the place, it's beautiful. That's this beautiful blue river, one of the biggest in Africa, the Zambezi. It's filled with crocodiles and, and hippos and wildlife. But little do you realize what impact that actually has on the people living there. The children would be um, sent to the river oftentimes to get water and um, just this year, within the first five, six months of the year, we've already seen 31 people in our area that actually died because of crocodile attacks. So it's a very, very desperate place. And then as soon as you go away from the river, um, people dig these huge pits where they try and get water from, and it's just dirty water there. 
we started off with the children's churches, and our intent was to start working with the children in the area where we could start changing the culture that we're seeing in that community. It's so rural, and it's so difficult to access. So what we've done is we've received a donation of a pontoon boat, and we moved this pontoon boat into the river, and we're actually using that to launch the children's churches from the banks of the river. So we would have music playing, the boat will be launched onto the sandy beaches, and the kids would come out from the community, oftentimes they'll already be there. We're starting to teach the basics so that we can bring the foundation of Christ into the lives of these children because we're raising a generation that's going to think different than the generation we have found there when we started the work. Before we had the this program for the kids, we found it rather bitter. Most of them, they didn't know who God was, who Jesus was. Through the 17th story, they have known who God is. The behavior has totally changed. The children don't have basic things like soap and toothpaste and, and things that they can just take care of their own hygiene, underwear, and not even, don't even speak about socks or shoes or anything like that, just the basics. So we actually have built a little shop that we take with us when we do our children's church programs. The children get little coins. Uh, we give them a coin when they come to children's church, when they know last week's lesson, when they brought a friend, things like that. And it helps them to earn these uh, little children's church money. It's not real money, but it helps them to be able to put some kind of a value on things that are really important, as we feel is important with regard to scripture. And then the children um, can go and they can buy soap and different things from them. It's probably the one thing that we've sold the most of them soap, just because it's such a basic thing that they don't have access to the area. And then after we did that for a while, we realized that the need for water here is the body of Christ needs to get involved in those things because of safety, but also hygiene and everything around that. And we've already seen a bunch of old dunk and pumps put in, lives being changed with that, and we're able to now start looking at the medical side of it. Our children are talking about Jesus. Our children are giving me songs for you know, raising our Heavenly Father. We are spreading the news not only to the child, but as well to the parents. So right now we're running children's churches, and we're going to go to the very rural areas that does not have churches. And churches are but every church will also find the children's church, people in the well, and we will start seeing how we can change. We're the first politics in this area. Very strong. for making this worldwide ministry possible. Together, we're feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, and presenting the gospel to the nations. Please contact us or visit JoyceMeyer.org today to share your prayer requests, find out more about our resources, see Joyce's conference schedule, and to join us in partnership as we share the love of Christ around the globe. The proceeding was paid for by the friends and partners of Joyce Meyer Ministries. You cannot blame and be blessed at the same time. You can play the blame game or you can be blessed, but you can't be both.
and show you exactly what the enemy will try to do. Like, for instance, I don't know if Stephanie's a good cook or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good, good. And, and I was talking to my mom this morning. You know, my mom lives here in Charlotte, and she reminded me of this story. It's just hilarious. It just shows how offenses can come. Because the question isn't, are offenses going to come into your relationship? That's not the question. They're going to come. They're going to come. The question is, what are you going to do with them? That's what determines whether or not you keep a strong relationship with God, with others, with yourself. So my mom was telling me they were at my father's mom's house, so my grandmother, my, my dad's mom's house for Thanksgiving, and she made some stuffing. You know, that, yeah. And, when she, and, and my, my grandmother made some stuffing, and the way, the way I understood the story, my dad was sitting there eating his mom's stuffing. And while he's eating the stuffing, he says, trying to give a compliment to his mom, he's like, mmm, mom, nobody makes stuffing like you. I mean, other people try to make stuffing, but nobody can make it like you. And my mom is, my, my mom is thinking, while he's saying, uh, nobody makes stuffing like you, my mom is thinking, and nobody is going to make stuffing for you except your mom, so you better invite your mom to be your cook if nobody makes stuffing like her. And my mom said, I didn't make that man stuffing on Thanksgiving for the next six years. And I said, can I tell the church that story? It's a good illustration. She said, yes, as long as you clarify that I really do make better stuffing than your friend. I got you holding that because he says this stuff. Um, he says these unintentional things because men are stupid and we just say stuff and we don't realize what we're saying and we just say stuff. And maybe Ben hasn't done it yet. To me, he looks like an intelligent man. But he's going to say something and he, it will be unintentional in his mind. He's just saying it. He's just saying something. Just say it. Just say stuff. Or sometimes it's not what they say. It's what they don't do. It's an unmet expectation. That is the breeding ground of offenses in relationships. Unmet expectations. And let me tell you the breeding ground of unmet expectations. Unexpressed expectations. So you've got to learn how to talk to people. Otherwise, like, let's say growing up in Stephanie's house, birthdays were a big deal. But maybe at Dan's house, they didn't make a big deal about birthdays. They say, what did you do? You didn't do anything on your birthday. You were just born. So maybe on birthdays at Dan's house, nobody celebrates the fact that you just came out into the world like it was some great achievement. But Stephanie wakes up, and her mom used to make her pancakes on her birthday, and her dad had a special song that he would say, I don't know, I'm making this stuff up. I never met Stephanie and Dan before. I was making a scenario. And so Dan wakes up on the birthday, and he's going to take her out to P.F. James that night, because that's her favorite place, said. But now it's morning time, and it's like 7, and there's no pancakes, and there's no special song, and there's no thing. And so now all of a sudden, it's the first birthday they spend as a married couple. And he wakes up and gives her a little kiss and goes to work and leaves her with an offense. I mean, like, well, that's stupid. She shouldn't get so offended over that. Well, you get offended over some stuff, too, some little things. And, you hold it. And, and, and it won't just be you offending her. Let's say maybe, let's say you're working really hard. This used to happen in me and Holly's marriage. This is an example I did not ask for permission to share. <laughs> when I discovered that her recreational preference was shopping. 
yeah, so she said, me too. So you come home on Saturday, Holly would come home on Saturday, and she would be energized, and she would have bags all over her arms. But to me, those bags didn't look like shopping bags. Those bags looked like grenades <laughs> to be launched into our financial picture. Here I am trying to work. She's walking in with all these bags, looking at it, and then she has the nerve to say, don't worry, because I got it on. And this is what the devil wants, all right? Now Dan is trying to fall asleep on Saturday night. And again, I'm just making this up. But she handed you this offense. She wasn't trying to offend you. She was just shopping. It was just her thing. But Dan is working. And doesn't she see how hard I'm working? And how does she expect us to get ahead financially? And like the last, last thing she needs is another pair of shoes. And, listen, and then the enemy's like, yeah, yeah, that's good, Dan. That's good. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't respect you. She doesn't, she doesn't appreciate all that you're doing to provide for her. She's working against you. It's just a little... Fast. Meanwhile, <laughs> Stephanie is still stuck on her birthday. It was four months ago. She's still mad about the pancakes. Come here, Stephanie. And she's over here, and, and, and she's, still, she's still nursing that, that thing about the birthday. And she is, every time she thinks about it, it's a little... Yeah. <laughs> in there with every thought and reliving it and thinking about what he said and what she did and what they didn't say and pay attention to me and appreciate me and just drives it down deeper. And marriage is going to give you, because it's the most intimate relationship, and the more intimate the relationship, the more infinite the potential for this. And so you're going to have like a million offenses, little offenses, and if you don't learn how to deal with them, because sometimes the thing that you liked about her when you were dating will drive you crazy now that you have to wake up with it every day. No offense to Stephanie, I'm sure she's wonderful. You're like, oh, why would you say that about her? It's true about everybody. Here's how a country preacher said it. He said, before marriage, opposites trap. After marriage, opposites attack. Amen. <laughs> That's how a country preacher said it. And so, I know it's kind of heavy. That's how offenses are. But it's not all at once. It's just one at a time. So, like, let's say that... Before marriage, you liked her because she is uh, mysterious and quiet, and that draws you to her. But then in marriage, it can go this way to where it was really attractive that she was quiet and mysterious when you were dating her, but now in marriage, she will never talk. And it's like, no, but yeah, but no, but just for example, it's like, why won't you tell me what's on, on your mind? But that's why you like her. And before you married him, he was the life of the party. And he walked in and he just talked and lit up the room. And now, why won't he ever shut up? Then he will not shut up. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> and so, what actually was part of building the foundation of the relationship, now it's offense. And it happens a million different ways. And the enemy... It gives you all kinds of opportunities. And you don't realize what's happening because 
It's just one little conversation after another, you know? It's just dressing on Thanksgiving. Damn, big thing. It's just me trying to tell Holly how to drive and her saying, well, then why don't you drive if you're such a good driver? And we have a lot of dysfunction in our relationship over what happens in the car because I can't find my way places and she can't drive. So she has a great sense of direction but horrible driving skills. I'm a great driver with no sense of direction. So the other night, we're driving, coming from a movie, as a matter of fact, not the uh, Christian football movie, but we're coming back, and she almost got us killed. And I was mad because, to me, she wasn't paying attention. And we talked about that later, and she was like, well, you know, if you want to be in control of how the car works, there's a different seat you can sit in. Uh, that's the biggest problem you have. No, it's not the biggest problem we have. It's just the one I'm going to tell you about. It's none of your business. <laughs> but see, offense by offense, if we don't learn what to do about this, the enemy would love just one conversation after another. You don't make a decision to walk away from a relationship that you love. You don't, you don't see them becoming your enemy in Matthew 5, 25. It's just one unacknowledged effort after another, and you start thinking, well, I'm the only one who ever takes out the trash around here. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll do it, do it again, like always. No, it's good. I got it. I got this own problem. I would love to give up with the kid again in the middle of the night. No, it's fun. I know. You got to work. And now, what started is just a small offense. Now, what God joined together is separate because of offense. And now the crazy thing is, Jesus said, if you let it get to this point, if you live your relational life on the basis of, well, I'm not apologizing first, I apologized first last time. If you don't learn how to deal with these things, you find yourself in prison. It's not them that you imprison. It's you. Hey, 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 Dan. Why don't we talk anymore? Where did the love go? <laughs> then we haven't been to P.F. Chang's in three years, man. You built a fence. The enemy's agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. And his tactic is offense. Thankfully, God has given us another way to deal with offense. If only we could find an example of somebody who had every right to be offended. Of somebody who had every right to hold it against us. 
of somebody who had every right to stand in a distance, but opened his arms and said, this is the way of relationship. And the Lord gave me a real specific word for somebody who needs reconciliation in your relationship. It's very simple what they have to do. If they're going to stay like they started, if we're going to get back to where we were, we're going to have to learn. Watch this. This is very, this is very profound. It's deep. You're going to miss it. This is what you have to learn. You've got to learn to drop it. You've got to learn to drop it. And I don't mean suppress it. I don't mean you don't deal with things after they happen. But after you've had the conversation, Dan, I like pancakes on my birthday, then drop it. Touch somebody, say drop it. I mean the moment the events, because you can't always control what's handed to you, but you can control what you do with it. So what are you going to do with the events? You can't, you can't shoot anybody else's actions. The enemy wants you to drive it down deep. You know, he wants you to ah, think about it and miss all the reasons that the person has, has worked their way into your life and miss all the things they've done for you, and he wants to drive it, but God says, drop it. I believe that there are some things that we need to drop tonight. In fact, Jesus said, this is so important, that if you are in church at the altar offering a gift and a sacrifice, but the primary relationships in your life are dysfunctional and need reconciliation, you can't even properly connect with God unless you drop it. Do it again, Dan. Drop it. Every time they do it, I want you to reinforce it. One, two, three. Drop. What are you going to do when they when they don't acknowledge you? When they don't notice you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they when they are too busy to show you the love and affection, but you know that they're trying as hard as they can to? You gotta. I'm telling you, being married, being in a close relationship, is about not how quickly you can get offended. But how quickly you can get over it. And I want everyone to stand at every location because I want to pray for some people. Thank you, guys. Would you give them some love? They're walking hand in hand. I... I asked the Lord to help me in this message in a way he said you need to pray for people for not what they're going to experience while they're in the church, but what's going to happen when they leave because, you know, you can offer a gift at the altar and feel pretty good about it, but what's happening back at home can be a living hell. And when I read those words of Jesus that he said that when you don't deal with the offenses, and when you don't drop the offenses, when you allow it to become resentment in your life, because, hey, sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. I mean, sometimes the person is dead that you held the offense again. Sometimes the person isn't willing. But release, release is always available. Release starts in your heart. Smeed said that forgiveness 
is setting a prisoner free and finding out the prisoner was you. So I believe God wants to release some people today. Release you from some things you've been holding on to. Some things that have been keeping you at a distance. Some things that have been keeping you divided. And then in these closing moments of our time together today, there are some things by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that God is going to bring to mind some offenses that you've been building in some very important relationships and that God is going to begin to demolish your excuses and break down your pride and your walls today. And that we're going to receive hundreds of testimonies from the word that went forth today of a process of reconciliation and healing that began between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between friends that haven't spoken. God says, drop it, man. I feel the spirit of Snoop coming on me right now. And I want to say drop it like it's hot. Come on. You got to drop it while you can. He said, do it while you're still on the way, or this won't end well with you. Unchecked resentment leads to regret. Unbelievable regret. And you don't want that for your life. So with everyone standing today, I want to ask you a question. If God dropped the charges against you, what, is, what offense is there in the universe that you can't let go of? It's not just flowing to me. The forgiveness of God flows through me. And because I'm forgiven, I can forgive. Before I pray, I'm not saying that you tolerate abuse. I'm not saying any of that. Here's what I'm saying. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. Again, offense is an event. They hurt me. Offense is an event. We need to work through this. But to live offended as a believer in Jesus Christ and to stay that way and to live in that place denies the very nature of the salvation that you claim to have received. So we want to make some decisions today. If you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands as a sign of release? Nobody's looking at you. Don't even worry about the crowd right now. Father, in this moment, we come before you and we just release Release, release. First of all, we acknowledge our own part. Sometimes we are so quick to see the ways we've been offended and we miss the ways that we've offended. So we open our hearts to you and we thank you for grace and we thank you for mercy. And we lift our hands in your presence because we want to be free. We lift our hands in your presence because we don't want to withhold anything. And we want to be right and so we offer our gift on the altar. But God, we ask would you do a work in us. Some of us have some stuff happening back at home and in our hearts and in our relationships that is killing our joy and killing our peace. So we come into your presence today not just to sing a song or to hear a sermon, but to be changed 
at our core to be changed. And we've got some things we need to drop. With your hands still lifted in the air, I want you to ask God in your heart, is there anything I need to drop? Is there something I need to drop? Is it a decision I need to make in my heart to never bring it up again? Is it a conversation I need to have to work through? What do I need to drop? Keep your hands lifted. You feel how the blood is flowing out of your fingers and your hands? That's what it feels like when you hold on to stuff, when you hold on to offenses, when you hold on to what happened years ago. But if you would drop it, drop it. You feel that? You feel that come all over your body when you finally decided to drop it? I declare that God is going to set some captives free today. That you are no longer going to be divided behind the fences, isolated behind the fences. And in the name of Jesus, I declare release to the prisoners. I pray that this message would stay with you, that it would haunt you, that you would see Dan and Stephanie dropping those planks on the stage until you come out from behind every offense that has kept you in prison. I will never forget when God spoke to my heart. The reason it's so hard for you to stay happy is because it's so easy for you to get offended. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, offense really is that dividing wall yeah. between us and God, between us and others, between us and joy, between us and peace. And I believe God wants you to learn to drop some things today. I don't think I've ever gotten more feedback from a message than this one and all the messages in the other half series. And I know it's not just me and it's not just our church that God gave this message to. I believe this is a word for you today. Yeah, this message helped me see that, you know, sometimes it's easier to hold on to things against others or against God and even things against myself, but it's not healthy and it's never going to lead me to victory. Never. I mean, it's going to keep you, as a matter of fact, imprisoned, right. the prison of offense. But you don't have to stay there. God has given us keys in his word, and it's up to us to take action to experience freedom. Right. So there's an action I want you to take right now. It could be the first step in you being free, having the relationships that God wants you to have, the relationships that, frankly, you've been longing for your whole life. To see God repair what may feel broken, this could be the beginning of reconciliation. The, the beginning of love, the beginning of true harmony in your home, in your workplace. I want you to call today or go online, and with your gift of any amount, you'll receive this special series that we call The Other Half. Every message in the series is almost a series in itself. You've really got to experience this teaching. It's a four-part series on DVD, and here are more details about today's resource. Have you ever stopped to think about how many people you connect with on a daily basis? Your spouse? Your kids? The barista? Coworkers? Neighbors? The clerk at the grocery store? An old friend? The list goes on and on. Relationships are an integral part of our lives, but they're not all so easy to maintain. 
Today's resource, The Other Half, will give you the important tools you need to build healthier relationships with the people in your life and with God. This brand new four-part series from Pastor Stephen Furtick will guide you through practical ways to change your focus in relationships to help you see what matters most. You'll even learn how to release offenses that are preventing your relationships from reaching their full potential. He really wants you to drive it down deep. You know, he wants you to ah, think about it and miss all the reasons that the person has, has worked their way into your life and miss all the things they've done for you. And he wants to drive it, but God says, drop it. It also includes a bonus message from Pastor Stephen's wife, Holly. All along, I've been wanting the people in my life to give back to me. You know, I'm doing this for you. Won't you reciprocate and do something for me? But what I found in my life is that true fulfillment doesn't come from my relationship with others. It comes from my relationship with God. In an exclusive interview with best-selling author Donald Miller, this resource is available today for your gift of any amount. If you want to dive even further into this teaching, request the Other Half Relationship Pack for your gift of $110 or more. It includes two additional relationship series full of sermons that will help you continue to enhance your relationship God's way and a journal for you to reflect on all you are learning. Simply call the number on your screen or visit stephenfurtick.com today to experience relationships the way God desires to do. Request the other half today. I'm not talking about your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. Join the Christian worship. God is evil. The live album experience recorded in Sydney. Don't miss this very personal worship experience with Hillsong Worship on the Hillsong Channel. Well, the Hillsong Channel is such a blessing to us and the opportunity to take television around the world. We're excited that the team that's with us and this is growing. By team, I mean you. And I would love you to become part of a subscription where we will send you a team box. In other words, every month you will get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of our team and will help us to take this great message forward. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. Here's how it works. Each month, we'll send you the Hillsong Team Box full of exclusive resources at 50% off, free shipping in the U.S., and no hidden fees. A combination of worship, books, t-shirts, apparel, devotionals, and more. Join a group of people across the globe who are bringing the hope of Jesus to humanity. Visit hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. This conference is about the Church of Jesus Christ rising in its stature and the harvest. We can with our city. We can change the world. We can touch this nation. We don't know if it was good from him. Lord, I believe from here. Momentum will come with the theme, no momentum. Lord, we believe in Jesus' name. May nation be impacted eternally because, Father, we heard from you here. 
Paul was writing this book to the church of Philippi in his 50s. Here he had written several other books, planted other churches. He's sitting in prison in Rome, waiting for his sentence, and yet he still believes God's not finished. God's not finished. God's not finished. It takes humility to keep that hunger on the inside. Hi, I'm Paul. Almost 10 years ago, my dad, my hero, my pastor passed away unexpectedly. He built a big church and left some pretty large shoes to fill. When he died, I didn't just lose my dad. I lost my faith. I lost my purpose and my future. But God showed up and restored my faith. And he gave me a message of hope to share with you. You're here on purpose. God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are right in front of you. And you have victory in your life because Jesus lives in you. Paul the Apostle was someone who just believed that everybody's best days were still in front of them. Paul the Apostle was a man who believed with this deep conviction, God's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with my church yet. He's not finished with uh, my family yet. He's not finished with Israel yet. He's not finished with what God's called me to do. He's not done yet. And these were the words he spoke in Philippians 1, verse 6. I am confident that God who began the good work within you, will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what Paul was saying is, God's not finished until Jesus comes back. Now, he's not talking about what Jesus did on the cross. That's the finished work of Jesus Christ. What Paul's talking about is the work that he's doing in you and me. That if there's breath in our lungs, he's not finished with us yet. No matter how old you are, no matter how bad you've missed it, no matter how bad things look, don't worry, God's not finished yet. If you haven't seen the breakthrough, God's not finished yet. If you haven't seen the miracle, if things haven't turned around for the good, don't worry, God's not finished. I love the message version. He says, there's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish to the very day that Christ Jesus appears. See, God's not setting us up to leave us halfway finished. He's not setting us up to not finish what he started. No, he wants to bring us to a flourishing finish, which means that our best days are right in front of us. I want to challenge you today, those that are 65 and older, God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are still in front of you. Don't think that God's just going to use some young person now. God wants to use all generations, all races, and no matter how bad you've missed it. Some of us in this room, maybe we've had failed businesses, failed marriages. Maybe we've made some bad mistakes, and we think to ourselves, God's done with me. God can't use me. He's not going to use me in ministry again. He's not going to give me another business. I declare bankruptcy. I'm never going to become a millionaire. You need to stop accepting those self-limiting beliefs, those self-limiting lies, those God-limiting lies. We serve a God who's never finished when there's breath in our lungs. God can turn things around. He can get you on the right track. When we're younger, it's easier for us to accept that truth. God's not finished with me yet. But the older we get, sometimes we get stale. We get comfortable and complacent. And we start to think, well, maybe this is just the way that I am. Maybe I'm stuck with this bad habit. Maybe I'll never change. Maybe this is as good as it gets. 
But we've got to continue to raise the lid, raise the roof, and believe that God's still working in me. God's still working on me. I think in order for us to accept this, this statement today, God's not finished, it takes really three qualities in your heart. The first quality is humility. Humility. Humility says, God, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not staying comfortable with how things are. I'm going to keep letting you work on the inside of me. This past year, I invited one of my mentors, a man that I really look up to, to our church to come and speak. His name is Pastor Chris Hodges. And he has a great church in Alabama. 40,000 people every Sunday come to his church. He's got 42,000 people in connect groups. They've sent out hundreds of missionaries. They've planted hundreds of churches with their network of churches. And so I was really excited he was coming. And the only weekend he could come was Memorial Day weekend. And I was thinking he was going to come and speak at our Bible college graduation, but there was a miscommunication, and that happened earlier. And that weekend, our attendance was a little lower. Our lights weren't working all together. Our sound wasn't working that great. And I leaned over to him. I was so embarrassed because I really wanted to impress him. And I said, Pastor Chris, it's usually, usually the sound is working better than this. Usually there's more people here, I promise. You know, I really wanted to get his affirmation. My insecurity was at an all-time high. I was just trying to make all these excuses, and he looked at me, and he said, Paul, I'm not here to be impressed by you. I'm not here to be impressed by you. He said, I just have one question for you, though. Here's my question. Do you want to get better? And I thought about it. I said, yeah, of course. Of course I want to get better. Then he asked the second question. He said, do you think you can get better? And I said, yeah, I think I can get better. He said, then in my eyes, you're succeeding. Because success is not about impressing other people with how many people come to your church. Success is not how much money you make, how many clients you have, what kind of car you drive, what house you live in. Success is that you always stay humble and you're ready to keep on growing. Because the second you accept that you can't grow anymore, you're no longer succeeding. You're just maintaining. Success is keeping that humility, that hunger to say, Lord, I want to get better. My question for you today is, do you want to get better? Anybody want to get better? Okay, half of you. How many want to get better as a man of God, a woman of God, a husband, a wife, a single, whatever season you're in? You want to get better. Now, it's not enough to just want to. How many believe you can get better? You think you can get better. You've got to get that inside your heart and your mind. It takes humility to admit I need to get better. I love what Paul the Apostle says in Philippians 3.12. He says, not that I've arrived or that I've achieved all of these things. No, no, I haven't gotten there yet. But one thing I know, I'm forgetting what's behind me and I'm pressing on to what's ahead of me. God's called me to greater things in front of me. The past is great, but the future is greater. My best days are still in front of me. See, someone of humility, they can honor the past, but they don't camp out in the past. They don't live in the glory days. They don't live in the sense of I've arrived, I've seen all there is to see, I've done all there is to do, God's done with me, he's done his greatest miracles, though humility says he's still working in me. Paul was writing this book to the church at Philippi in his 50s. Here he had written several other books, planted other churches, he's sitting in prison in Rome waiting for his sentence, and yet he still believes God's not finished. God's not finished. God's not finished. It takes humility to keep that hunger on the inside of you. There's a book that one of my mentors recommended to me, and the book is called Living with the Seal. Living with the Seal. 
And it's a book by a guy named Jesse Eitzler. Jesse Eitzler was a rapper, and the rap career didn't really work out that well. So then he started becoming an entrepreneur, working in businesses. He started a business called Marquis Jet. It took off, and then he became the owner of the Atlanta Hawks, an NBA team. But he still wasn't content yet. He still felt in his heart, there's more, that I need to keep growing. I want to keep getting better. I want to better myself as a husband, as a dad. I want to better myself. There's more potential on the inside of me. And so he signed himself up for a race. And the day that he was running this race, he met a SEAL, a Navy SEAL that was running beside him. And he began to talk to him about all the things that this Navy SEAL went through to become who he is today. So Jesse said, would you come and move into my house in Manhattan, New York? Would you live with my family for 31 days? Would you train me so I can become like a Navy SEAL? The SEAL, he laughed at him. He said, listen, I don't think you can handle what we went through. I mean, it's crazy. Jesse said, I want to. I want to get better. How many in this room want to get better? Early in the morning, they would wake up, sometimes 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and run outside in one of the uh, coldest winters in December in New York City. He said, we would run through the snow. We would find lakes that were frozen over with ice, and the seal would make us break a hole in the ice and jump into the lake, then climb out sopping wet in our clothes and run through the snow to the point of hypothermia. He said, he almost killed me several times. He said, throughout the day, we would work out five, six times a day. Drop and give me 100. Drop and give me 200. He said, I was pushed to my limits. He said, I remember hearing the SEAL say, if you want to be pushed to your limits, you have to train to your limits. He said, my SEAL would skip meals throughout the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, day after day. He said, why do you skip meals? The SEAL would say, I like to go to sleep hungry, so I wake up hungry. Life is about living outside of your comfort zone. And he looked at Jesse and he told him this. I think this is very important. He said, when you think you're done, you're only at 40% of what your body can actually do. When you think you're done, you're only at 40% of what your body is really capable of doing. That's just the limit that we put on ourselves. And I think many of us in this room have accepted limits that God didn't put on us, we put on ourselves. We've accepted caps that other people have said over this, you can't do that. You're too young. You're too old. God's done with you. You messed up. You screwed up. You, you missed it. You'll never get out of this. We've got to break those limitations off. Because many of us have accepted that we can't, we won't. And because we won't, we'll never realize that we can. Some of us in this room, we're comfortable with not changing for another 10 years. We're not living like Jesus could come back tomorrow. We're living like Jesus may never come back in our lifetime. And so we are living with laziness, and we're living with fear, and we're living with complacency. How much do you want to change this year? Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, to find how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. 
Get your free copy today and our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at paldoherty.org. The second quality of your heart, characteristic that God's looking for, for you to accept that he's not finished, number two is confidence. Confidence. David said in Psalm 27, verse 13, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. It takes confidence to believe God's not finished with me yet. It takes confidence to believe God's still working. My best days are in front of me. See, David had been told by Samuel the prophet, one day you're going to be the king of Israel. But David had grown up in a family that didn't believe in him. He had a dad who left him out when it was time to bring all the sons into the house to be elected, which one would be the next king. The dad and the mom probably got together and said, it's going to be one of our older sons. I mean, David, he's, he's, like, a, he's like a worship leader. He's really weird. He's quirky. He's got lots of emotions. Just leave him out with the sheep out in the fields. His dad didn't really believe in him. His brothers didn't believe in him. When David showed up to fight Goliath, his older brother said, get out of here. You're not a warrior. You're so arrogant. We know why you're here. Just go back home. Just go feed those sheep. Then when he got in front of Saul and he told Saul, I want to fight this giant, Saul said, you're too small. You're going to have to wear my armor if you're going to make it. It took confidence in the Lord in order for David to fight the giant that was in front of him. If you're waiting for other people to feed your confidence, they're never going to be enough. You're going to have to find your confidence, your approval, your affirmation in the Lord your God. The Lord is the lifter of your head. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I think about another man in the Bible, Gideon. Gideon was a young guy who was weak. He came from a family that was weak. And God said, Gideon, I'm going to use you to defeat the enemies that are coming against Israel. And so Gideon said, God, I think you picked the wrong person. I mean, I'm the youngest in my family. I'm the weakest. And by the way, my family is like the weakest clan in the nation of Israel. And God said, nope, I picked you and all your insecurities. I'm so glad that God picks people that still have issues and insecurities. Otherwise, none of us would be allowed to be used by God. Gideon said, okay, God, but I'm going to need some help. I I mean, I can't fight this battle by myself. 32,000 people show up to surround Gideon. They say, we're with you. We're going to help you fight these enemies. And in Judges chapter 7, verse 2, God said, you got too many people with you. If you, if you have this many people, you're going to think you did it all by yourself. You're going to put your confidence in your flesh. You're going to put your confidence in your own strength. No, I want you to know that your confidence must be in the Lord, that it was the Lord that saved you from your enemies. So God said, tell the people that are afraid, in verse 3, tell the people that are afraid that they can leave and go back home. If you're afraid, you can go back home. 22,000 people left. Two-thirds of his army left. And even after that, God said, Gideon, you still have too many. You still have too many. God, I only have 10,000. We're going up against hundreds of thousands of people. God said, go tell those people. Tell all your men to go drink at the river. And the ones who drink with their hands like this, separate them from the ones who get down and just drink straight from the river with their mouth. He separated them, and there was only 300 men. God used these 300 men. He said, I'm going to use this this ragtag group of 300 to take down hundreds of thousands of people that are coming against you. What was the point of it? God wanted Gideon to put his confidence in the Lord. I remember when I was getting ready to step up and pastor, I felt so insecure. Sometimes still do. I have to battle that, overcome that. 
But I was really counting on a few people that were around me that I had grown up with, families that I knew, and some close friends. And if I'm really honest, my confidence was in my dad for a long time. So when he was out of my life and he had gone on to heaven, I remember thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? I, I was really leaning on him. I know that God was using that situation to teach me how to lean completely on him, to put my confidence back in the Lord. Mark Twain said, in order for you to feel comfortable in your own skin, you're going to have to approve who you are. You can't be comfortable in your own skin without your own approval. You're going to have to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. You're going to have to start seeing yourself as fearfully and wonderfully made. Have confidence in what God has called you to do, the gifts that he's put on the inside of you. There's a man that I got to meet, and it was such an honor. I got to hear him speak live. And his name is Nick Bujacek. Nick has written five books, sold millions of copies, acted in two movies, traveled all over the world, spoken on every continent. He's now talked to almost a billion people of live audiences. But Nick was born with no arms and no legs. He said, I remember hearing the words of my pastor. I was in church week after week. If it wasn't for my faith in God, I don't know if I'd still be alive. I hated myself. I hated the way I looked. I thought, God's done with me. The trash, I'm useless. I'm worthless. What am I going to do with no arms and no legs? But he said, the pastor just kept saying, you're valuable. God's got a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that God has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future. John 10, verse 10, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He said, I started accepting that maybe God had a plan for my life. I was listening to stories in the Bible like Joshua and Esther and Gideon. Maybe I've been born for such a time as this. He said, I, I started to look at what I did have instead of looking at what I didn't have. And I realized that I had a voice. And he said, I believe that maybe God could use my voice as a voice into this generation to speak hope, to speak value in the boys and girls. And so he said, I started calling public schools to see as a teenager if they would let me come and speak at their high school assemblies. He said, I called 52 schools and every single one of them rejected me. He said, some of the schools, they knew what I looked like, and they said, Nick, let me save you the embarrassment. Kids aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to listen to you. Sorry, we, we can't have you speak here. We just don't want you to feel embarrassed. He said, but I wasn't deterred by their rejections. In fact, I was even more encouraged. He said, by the 53rd phone call, finally someone said yes. A school said, Nick, we'll let you come and speak at our assembly, but we're five hours away from where you live. So if you're able to get here, we'll give you $50 to cover gas money. He said, I convinced my older brother to drive me that day to that school. $50 wasn't even enough to pay for the gas there and the gas back. But he said, I got up and spoke, and afterwards I just was, I felt so foolish. I thought to myself, there's, there's no career for me here. I, I can't speak. Nobody's going to listen to me. This school was only a few kids. He said it was one of the smallest schools and one of the smallest assemblies. He said, I went home the next week and I gave up on phone calls. I just was sitting in my house. But he said, one afternoon a school called and said, we heard about you speaking. Then another school called. Then another school called. Today, Nick gets 35,000 speaking invitations a year. People are asking him high demand. Today, Nick speaks to millions of people a year, filling up stadiums. 
filling up stadiums. Today, Nick is married. He has his own son, biological son. He's living a great life. He's continued to write more books. But he said, it started when I began to put my confidence in the Lord. It started when I began to eliminate these lies and these self-defeating, limiting thoughts that I can't, that I'll never, I'm not good enough. I think some of us in this room, we have a lot more than Nick has. And yet we've accepted some pretty limited lies in our life. Limited beliefs. God can't use me. I'm all dried up. Missed, missed my opportunity. And here's the third point I want to leave you with right now, and that is desire. God has given you the power to desire. To desire. It's a word that we don't talk about much in church, but it, it is a strength that God has given the human heart. Desire. Many of you will leave in about 20 minutes and you will go eat a bunch of food because you desire to eat. You are hungry. I'm stirring up your appetite. Sitting in church, you get ready to eat. Whatever we desire, we're going to go and get. That's what desire does. Desire drives us to go get what we want. That's God's strength in our lives, the power of desire. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who desire righteousness, who hunger and thirst, who have an appetite for it, for they will be satisfied. Whatever you have an appetite for, you're going to go get. This year, I want to stir up your appetite to grow. I want to stir up your appetite to get better. I want to stir up your appetite to desire more that God wants to do in and through your life. Some of us in this room, we're comfortable with not changing for another 10 years. We're not living like Jesus could come back tomorrow. We're living like Jesus may never come back in our lifetime. And so we are living with laziness, and we're living with fear, and we're living with complacency. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to succeed this year? How bad do you want to obey God? How much do you want to change this year? You will get what you desire, but your desire to change has to be greater than your desire to stay in your comfort zone. Your desire to get better has to be greater than your desire to maintain. Your desire to multiply and to grow has to be greater than your desire to stay in complacency. Some of us are comfortable in our couch, comfortable in our bed, lifting the sheets over our eyes. I don't want to get out of bed. Opportunity is waiting for those that get out of bed. Growth is waiting for the men in this room that say, I'm going to sign up for a discipleship class this year at Victory. Growth is waiting for the man who's been struggling with addictions for years and years. Breakthrough is on the way. God's going to bring you to a flourishing finish, but you've got to desire it. You've got to desire it. If you want to see it in your lifetime, you've got to get it in your heart. This is what I'm believing for. I think about the woman who pressed through the crowd, who wanted to see Jesus do a miracle for her. She didn't wait for Jesus to come to her. No, she started pressing through. If I can touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, I can be healed. Her desire caused her to press in. See, your desire causes you to lean in, to press in. I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to finish strong. I want to rise up. I don't want to live in complacency. How bad do you want it this year? Henry Ford, he built his first car model inside an old shop behind the house that he rented. He called it the quadricycle. It was made of bike parts and a combustion engine. The only problem was he made it too big for it to fit through the front door of his shop. 
He didn't know how he was going to get it out. What did he do? He busted down the walls. He said, I desired more to get what was inside of me out for the world to see than to hold on to the shop that I had been working in for a long time. Think about that. Just let that sink in for a second. We're comfortable with our bad habits. We're comfortable with complacency. This is a year to get uncomfortable with being comfortable. This is a year for you to grow, for you to believe that God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with me yet. Hey, God is not finished with you yet. No matter what things look like in your life, good or bad, whether you're succeeding or whether you feel like you failed, God's not done. And if God's in it, there is no limit to what he can do in you, for you, and through you. I've seen it in my life where God shows up in miraculous ways. Moments in my life where I felt like he's done with me. He's done with our ministry. He's done with my family. And yet God continues that still small voice just to say, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. I love what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 1.6. He who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day Jesus Christ returns. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I need that constant reminder that God's still working in me. Christ hasn't returned yet. He hasn't, I mean, the, the, the second coming of Christ hasn't happened yet, which means God's still working in my life, in your life, in this world. He hasn't left the throne room. So put your trust back in God that he's not finished yet. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Jesus, I trust you. I surrender to you. And I find my hope in you. God, I thank you that you're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with my life. So, Lord, I trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to tell you about a brand-new mini-book that I wrote that's really about this sermon, about this series on living your best days yet, and it's called Born for More. God has created you for so much more than what you've seen so far. There's more that God wants to do in you, for you, and through you. And this little mini-book we're going to send to you for free. That's right, free. So you've got to call the number at the bottom of the screen. Go to the website, pauldoherty.org, and we will send it to you for free. You can order it today. And the way we're able to do this is through generous supporters, many of you out there that help support this ministry. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for sowing into this ministry so we can reach people with God's love. Hey, we love you so much. We're praying for you, and your best days are right in front of you. Have you ever felt like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at pauldoherty.org.
you have ways of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. I believe that God has a vision for our life, but often in order to step into the vision requires you to take small steps. Sometimes we think that it's a leap of faith. Actually, it's not always a leap of faith. Sometimes it's just the next step. If you would take the next step and the next step and the next step, it would be amazing how each of those small steps would lead you to look back and go, well, All right, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Anybody on the line? Okay. What's the
term, but Rombos get a
right. Anybody there? Hello, your mom, your dog, your uncle, your aunt. Okay. You must Okay. 
Giovanni. So where do we have left? I was just going over my personal ones. I haven't done any others at all. another day that we've never seen and we ask that you would continue to allow us to dive into your wisdom and your understanding and your knowledge and father we ask that you would grant us peace and understanding that surpasses all things and father we ask that whenever it is we are incapable of standing we ask that you would allow us to stand therefore to see the manifestation of your glory and your works father Father, we ask that you would just continue to touch precious ministries and the members and the churches that are affiliated with them, Father. We ask that you would allow us to see the manifestation of the works in the buildings as well as in the people, Father God. And we ask that you would continue to touch the leaders to make them capable of teaching us and giving us wisdom and having us to grow and helping us to grow, Father. Father, we ask that you would allow us to have an exponential wealth of knowledge, resources, and energy, strength, wisdom, and um, and discernment, Father God, with everything that go is going on right now in the world, as well as in our spirit of influence, Father God, as well as in our circles. Father, we ask that you would touch the prison ministries, the um, the employees of the prison, the nurses. The, um, the doctors, police officers, correctional officers, and Father, we ask that you allow the prisoners to have an experience of of health and understanding and people to understand where they are and care for them, Father. We also ask that you especially touch the prison ministers um, that are going in, Father God, to preach and minister to the people. We ask that you would continue to give them understanding and wisdom and knowledge to teach that in what your Bible instructs, Father God, even though they are confined, they have a freedom and experiencing in you, Father God. Father God, I ask that you would touch precious in ministries as a whole, Father. I ask that you would allow us to continue to speak foolishly and allow the words that are coming out of our mouth be meditations of that in which you've given us, Father God, so we can see the manifestation of your glory. 
Father, we also ask that I also ask that you continue to give us a peace that was surpassed on all understanding, Father God. And we ask that you allow us not to experience fear, but have the love, power, and the soundness of my Father to do what it is you said and basically walk into the situation and conquer everything that it is that you have us to do, Father. Father, we ask that you would touch the sick and the shed in, Father God, and we ask that you would continue to allow us who are the elders to go forth, anoint them with oil to apply your principle to their life, Father God, and pray for them and those who are sick, they recover, Father. Father, I ask that you would allow us to see your manifestation when it comes to the fact of our group, Father God, our each greater group, and we ask that you would touch everyone in the group, Father God, to see exactly what it is that you have them to do, Father. We ask that you touch their mind and anoint their wisdom, Father God. We ask that you would give them a practical application to what it is that you say, Father. Father, I ask that you would touch the hospice and deceased, Father God, the families that have been touched, including my family that I take care of, Father God. We ask that you continue just to show yourself strong, Father God, and just allow them to know that you are God and you sit high and you look low, Father, and when it's your time, that's when you call them home, Father God, and until then, we have the opportunity and the, and the wherewithal to know how to take care of them, as well as give the families peace and understanding, Father God. We also t- ask that you touch our nephew and niece, Trey and Ariel, Father God, and continue to strengthen them despite where they are in the process of with, with, um, losing their mother, Father. We just ask that you continue to just give them a strength and understanding that they are capable of pursuing the land because just because their mother is injured doesn't mean that they cannot be all that she would have wanted them to be as well as all that you have called them to be, Father. And, Father, I ask that you would touch our leader today, Father God, and I ask that you would allow us to continue to hold up his arms, Father. Whatever it is that he's in the battle, Father, we ask that you would allow us to hold up his arms so the victory is ensured and won, Father God. Father God, I ask that you would touch the three of his 90-year-olds as well as his 19-year-old, Father God, and we ask that you continue to give him strength and virtue, Father God, all that he expelled out, Father God. We ask that you would replace it, Father, and we ask that you continue to just give him an insight to lead us as well as cover us, as well as to show us and guide us from his experiences as well as the ones that we experience with Father God. We ask that you would give him those same wisdoms as Jesse, Father, in the Bible, that he would understand all those things that are encamped around him, Father God, and speak to those situations and give him the authority and his power and his tongue, Father God, to speak to the situation and allow that situation to no longer be there, Father God, because of one simple reason is that you have given him creative power to speak to the mountain and it be removed. And we ask these things all in your name, Father God, and we seal these as one man's prayer in the name of Jesus' prayer. Amen. Hello. Yeah, man, I'm on mute. I got home yesterday, Sam, and my mama told me. She said, you know... Those you got I got home yesterday, and Mama said, "You know those plants on the porch? I got them for you." She says, um, "She said, what do you think their name is?" I said, "I don't know." I said, "Eden something." She said, "No, those are my wandering Jews because I got a wandering Jew downstairs in my basement." 
funny. She said, well, I can call you a wandering Jew now because I know my baby's a Jew. I said, that's right. That's right. A Jew. That's right, I'm a Jew. I got it. I got blood of a Jew, and it's in me. Trying to say I'm Jewish now. Yeah, you love me Jewish too. You said what? You love Jewish too. You said what? I said you look Jewish too. I do, just like the brown ones, though. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shoot, that's funny. Yeah. So she has two. She has two one on one side and the other one on the other side. I said all that means is the house is protected, Mama. That's it. Okay. How old is your mom? She is sixty six. You said sixty six. Fifty six. Oh, fifty six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you and Erica and and who else? Y'all could be my pappies and my mammies. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Erica could definitely be your mammy. <laughs> no, no, Mama got Erica by a couple of years. Oh, okay. So what you trying to yeah. say? I'm old or something? I was just saying, you know, my daddy is 67 now. So. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm 35, so I don't know what you're talking about. Lies. I'm I'm 30. I'm 34. <laughs> well, there you go. So that's why I can be your I could be your brother. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, then I'll let, let you save my brother then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can talk about who, who, who got you. Uh, Nate could be your daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Uh-oh. laughs> I knew that was going to get you. Uh-uh. He's going to stay my now. That, that Negro going to stay my brother. Uh-uh. I couldn't live in the house with him at all. <laughs> Nate, Nate, go on, Nate. I would not want. I wouldn't even speak to him in the morning, Sam. Like, mm-hmm. I ain't feeling you right now, not at all, not one bit. What's wrong, man? What? Uh-huh. See that? Sam, that would make that would mean that I'd have to work. That means you have to have what? That would mean that I'd have to work. Well, okay, and. I'm talking about in the spirit realm. I don't want to work that hard. Well, okay. And you don't want to work that hard in the natural either. You see what's happening, so what else is new? No, I actually enjoy working in, in, in the natural and in, in the spiritual, but, uh, Sam, that's, ex, that's extra credit work. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, look, you know. That ain't no normal reading the Bible. That ain't no normal just like, you know what? Oh, yeah, God, thank you for that impartation. No, that's, uh, that's Come on, man. You can move to the top of the class, baby boy. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like to look in the, I like to be in the trees. I'm definitely not going to be in the, in the, in, on the ground on two, foot, two feet off the, off the forest ground. Well, I, I thought you were supposed to be an eagle, though. Didn't you want to soar? I am going to soar. Dang it. Well, there you go. Uh, now you can't be putting the eagle in there and then trying to make you try to punk me because you know I do it if you say the eagle. <laughs> you already know I'm gonna do it if you say eagle. Where? Well, I'll do it go. for that. There you go now. I. All right. Oh, all right. I might deal with you another day, Nate. You just got one day extension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got one more day. One day extension. I deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got the old pop Pastor Mark take it one day at a time. Yeah. Sure. 
One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Alrighty, I'm almost back home. When's Morgan going back? I don't know. Sometime in August. <laughs> Damn, he's so curvy. What? I don't know. Look, she better know. <laughs> well, yeah, she better. Truth be told, yeah. Ooh, I saw that one coming. I ain't the one in school. Well, you did graduate, so I understand. Oh, but I boom, but I bing. Yeah, From the the industrious, illustrious Stillman College. <laughs> I wouldn't broadcast that two times. Like <laughs> I wouldn't know you say so smart. <laughs> oh, no, listen, 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 I got an alumnus in the house with me, and I hear that enough. There, well, there you go. So I'm trying to tell you something, boy. Better no. listen. Uh-uh, I ain't got time for that. Mm-hmm. You better listen. I, I, Sam, I do listen. I hear her every day. Stillman, Stillman, Stillman. Who gives it? Stillman. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, don't be here. You just make sure you go ahead and finish from whatever whatever you're doing and whatever college you're doing it at. I, I sure am. And I got a message back from my advisor. I can do life credit for 10 of my classes. Oh, there you go. Praise the Lord. See, look at God. Yep, and it's only $20 for the test. Oh, wow. Those $20, the $20 test will basically, I don't necessarily know if I would get an A in the class, but I will get a passing grade for the class because it will be life experience. But I'm, I'm concerned, do I want the grade or the life experience? I mean, well, you don't want a high grade or a life experience. Well, the thing is to look at it in, in a few different ways. First, you can look at it in dollar amount. What's going to cost you to go to the class? What's going to cost you to, um, you know, to take the test? Look at it in time. Okay, how much time is it going to be, you know, in doing it that way? And what else beneficial could you do with your time? How much earlier are you going to graduate? Then you look at it and what's your GPA? Is your GPA good? Is it, is it not good? Taking a class doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get an A. So you got like three different parameters you can look at and then just come up with your eyes. Well, my GPA is pretty good at this point, and um, it'll knock off some time. And uh, as long as I, as long as I basically um, take the class within the time frame that I'm in there, it's only going to be fifty fifty bucks for the fifty nine bucks for the month. So. Depending upon what, when I finish the class, it could be um, it could be um, the fifty bucks and I finish it in a month, or twenty dollars and I take the test. Mm-hmm. So financial wise, it ain't that big of an issue. Like maybe no. you might save about thirty bucks or so. Right. <clears throat> if your GPA is already you know up up there, just get your stuff over, with, man. Get your butt out of there. You got better stuff to be doing. Yeah, I do. Run somebody hospital and tell them what to do. That's right. Oh. So you got you got you got an incubated business. You got to start to uh, put together. That's a true statement, sir. That's a very true statement. And I'm going to get everything done today for that too. While I'm in my office and getting my work done. 
I can't comb your hair. I don't want to comb my hair. Oh, good morning. Oh, the burrito queen is out. Mm-hmm. So the burrito queen is out. Wow. All that ruckus in the background. She okay. just come on and just bring some ruckus with her, don't she? No, I just want to make sure everyone was awake. Mm, thank you. We appreciate that. You're welcome. Maya, that's what you're wearing? That sparkle dress? That's what you want to wear? Okay, Maya got up and put on a, a silver sequin dress to wear to school. Yes, Lord. That's mahogany. Mm-hmm. Alrighty then. Okay, well, how do you use, like, okay, and then... I got it on. Why do you think that ain't what I want to wear? I know what I'm doing. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> he looked at me, too. <laughs> like, I am a reasonably intelligent young woman. I am very well aware of what I can... No, Mahogany is the name of a movie from the 70s. I'll, I'll tell you about it. She goes, she goes, I thought mahogany was a dark shade of brown. <laughs> I got See, that's you. what I'm that's mm-hmm. what I'm raising. Mm-hmm. I thought mahogany was a dark shade of brown. Mm-hmm. It is, lady. It's a movie. I'll tell you about it later. Mm-hmm. Olden days. What? Oh, that's right. Your mama old, see. <laughs> is it an olden days movie? Excuse me. See there you go, Mark. She old enough to be your mama. <laughs> you know what? That's how people get rolled up on mm-hmm. 69th Street. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Something else I need to fix. Charge trying to fix. Chicago. That's good. You got up and out. I ain't never seen this. Gee, you all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It is. 
sound like you're autistic when you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, now it's getting weird. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting. See, I, I I know how to wash my setup. So, okay, I'm waiting. I uh-uh, no. Mm-hmm. no, 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 no. I'm I'm disappointed that you think that. It hurts my feelings. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. You know the problem mm-hmm. with people is that mm-hmm. folks don't never want to let the old you be old. They always want to keep referring back to the old you when you're trying to be a better new you. Mm-hmm. I thought the church was supposed to be about redemption and renewal. Mm. Maya mm. just went, mm. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Folks want to try to change. Mm-hmm. She referred to the old man. Won't let you be the new man or woman. Mm-hmm. not play with that. Mm-hmm. It only takes a second to catch something on fire. Like me? Yeah, like you. Like that sparkly dress. Oh. And my oh. on fire. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. She was like, you know those wines that you would like, like a charcoal grill with? The long, mm-hmm. is that the long? I keep one of those at all times. So I'm like, you know, I'm an instance junkie. And so, um, Soka no, not a soca junkie, silly mommy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what soca is? You know what soca is? Well, who? Soca. She said soca. Soca is a, is the kind of music. It's the their style of music in um, Trinidad, Tobago. Oh, okay. it's, it's Caribbean music, yeah. And she knows I love Caribbean music and stuff. That's what she was. And it's a song called Soka Junkie. I'm a Soka Junkie. So when I said that, she's like, like a Soka Junkie? Oh, okay. I, am, I am one of those, too, but that's not mm-hmm. what we were talking about at that particular moment in time.
fire. What happens if you set petroleum jelly on fire? Yes. I'm sure it'll probably just melt. Oh. I don't believe it's flammable. What happens if I set charcoal on fire? Will it spread or will it just... It won't spread that fast. I mean, what would spread is if if it was like gasoline, kerosene, propane, something like that, especially in liquid form. Then you got yourself a big problem. So you can't put all liquids on fire to, to stop it? No. You don't want to be doing no crazy stuff like that, which I know you already know. I would use it. Then I'm late for a bad day. Is juice okay? Setting juice on. I don't want you to talk about setting anything else on fire. You're making me nervous. I was just enough listening to you. I'm talking about putting out the fire. But, you know, she she's a curious child. <laughs> but she, she won't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the what you know, no, it depends. If it's grease, you don't put water on a grease fire. You want to get, like, baking soda or something like that. Like, if it's just a fire on some wood. Fire on some wood, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go so wash your face. I remember. Little oh, girl, come on. Because you're about to start talking. Come on. When I went mm-hmm. to um, the house. Don't say nothing to me. That's what happened. I'm talking to you. Uh-huh. Yes, it's Moscato. What you know about Moscato? Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. Marissa and my dad drink Moscato because they said it was Moscato. Oh, they do, do they? Mm-hmm. Come on, is that Moscato? Mm-hmm. What's green light? What's green light? Goodbye. Go brush your teeth. Watch your face. Three times, my three times. And put off some deodorant, ma'am. All right. Okay, that's better. Well, all right, it's home. Let me finish up this list, and I'll send out a text so we can get you to read it. Mm-hmm. That's my line. Right. Hey, I say stick to it. Why change it? Hmm? Said that's my line. Because that is exactly what you always say. So I said, well, if it's working, why change it? Stick to the script. Stick to the script. Mm-hmm. Okay. Courtney Carlin Brandt, Nick Brandon House Smith, Mr. Ross Meyer, Charles Brick, Benny Freed, Brandon Evan Pierce, Arthur Kidd, Josh Fowler, and everybody else. Okay, that list is done. The move
the Red family. Rondo Gosishi 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 Gosaragandaka. Rondo Gosishi Gosishi Gosaragasaka. Stephanie, Rondo Gosishi 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 Gosaragandaka. Rondo Gosishi Gosishi Gosaragasaka. William and Anna Phillips, Rondo Gosishi 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 Gosaragandaka. The <laughs> Bobby, Ronald Gosishi, 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 Gosaragadaga, Gosaraga, Sakara, Donald Jones, Ronald Gosishi, Gosaraga, Sakara, Harris Daniels, Rumble Skin, Gosaraga, Sakara, Warner Fan, Ross Gosishi, Gosaraga, Sakara, Nana Wash, okay, nobody else knows the Shiloh Gosaraga, there's a Saga, or Shiloh Sakara. Okay, roll. Wiseness, my parents, Atlanta, Obama, Massman, TC, Pan Scotty, Tony Ida, Lisa Brown, Legacy, Felicia, Rhonda Bosishi, 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 Bosara, Rhonda Bosishi, Bosishi, Bosara, Sakara, Punch Yellow, and I can initiate in Charles, Rhonda Bosishi, 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 Bosara, Rhonda Bosishi, Bosishi, Bosara, Sakara, Greasy's Church, my church, Everybody's Business, my business. Mars Business, Stillman College, Grunge, Gosishi, 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 Gosara, Grunge, Gosishi, Gosara, Sakara, Jenkins Family, Grunge, Gosishi, Gosara, Sakara, Brandon Allen, Grunge, Gosishi, Gosara, Sakara, Belinda, Donald Trump, Grunge, Gosishi, 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 Gosara, Sakara, Angie, Grunge, Gosishi, Gosara, Sakara, Markel, Robusta, Gosara, Sakara, Listen, no, Grunge, Gosishi, Gosara, Sakara, Stan Washington, Barbara Salter, Lashonda, Grunge, Gosishi, 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 Gosara, Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh-huh. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 
Contact information for you. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you text it? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Because once I get the venue solidified, I feel a lot more comfortable, you know, vigorously promoting it because, you know, the first place people ask is when and where. That's the first question, you know? Yep. Yeah, I got the information. I, um, I was trying to wait for my pastor to get in contact with me, but he didn't. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I still got the information, so. Okay. And does he need to approve it? I'm sure he does. No, it's not. He's not the center. See, I was trying to wait for him to get back with me because we might be able to get a discount. Oh, but, okay. Um, okay. it's not. He he just he literally rents the space just as well. So the guy that I okay. information to is the one who's actually over the over the center, over that. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's like a um, kind of a part. It's just I'm going part to, of the whole church. I'm going to text you the address and you can go online and look it up too. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Is it that one at Harvey? Yes. Okay. That was pretty big, I remember. Well, I know the building was, was a decent size building, should I say? Okay. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and then I um I sent so my brother in law, I think I share with you, my brother in law sent me a list of like it was must have been like forty vendors, forty places. You know, some will work, some won't. But I at I um forwarded the email to Pam and then I just told her, you know, you take the first no, I'll take the first half of the list, you take the second half. And then some of them has have websites and everything. So, you know, I told her she could, you know, look look up, you know what we're working with, you know what's going on. You know. Because like she was saying that the the interesting thing is we're gonna need a deposit. Any you know, that we're gonna they're gonna want a deposit. We have to figure out what you know, I mean, but all of that I can figure out once I can freaking think. Mm-hmm. You know, when I don't have anything else pulling at me, then I can, I can, you know, start working on that type of stuff. Which will be tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> No, I really know what that what that song means. I love you tomorrow. You said what? I said now I really have I really understand what that song means. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> that whole special meaning for me now. You just don't know, man. Woo, you just don't know what I've been through. Mm-mm. <laughs> just smile and nod. And I just believe that there are some things that we experience that in and of this, in and of themselves, are pure evidence that we have grown. <laughs> You know, you can say it. You can say it. You can say it. You you believe it. You know, right? You know, oh, I'm so dead. But then 
that'll there'll be a circumstance that will prove it. Like you know what? This right here is pure evidence. Cause three years ago, I'd went up. It'd have been oranges and new black in this mug. <laughs> well, would that have been a jumpsuit you'd have been wearing? Yeah, that's a TV show. Mm-hmm. Oranges and new black. I know. I said, why would that have been a jumpsuit oh. you'd wearing? Uh huh. And you know, I like orange and black. Mhm. I don't. Mm-hmm. So now I get to when I tell you well, I gotta tell you, I'll tell you later. When I tell you about revelation, baby, die. When I tell you he woke me up, I was literally crying. Like in real life, like my my crying woke me up. It was nuts. And what I was going to speak on for the conference, he was like, mm-mm, that's not what I want you to do. You're about to do this right here. Clear as day. Clear as day. Wow. You mean a conference that you wasn't going to speak at and now you're going to speak at? I didn't want to speak. I was never going to not speak because there'd be too many people that would come looking for me to do something to me. Mm-hmm. Too many people want to cause me harm. I really just want to just sit back and listen and enjoy. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to cause some conflict with a couple people when I said that that's what I wanted to do. I think it agitated some people's spirits <laughs> when I said that. So thusly and therefore, it appears as though I will, in fact, be speaking. Do I, like, do I feel like it? Feel like it? No. But I think that's because I just feel so beat down right now. You, you know, like the thought of actually doing something like that, I'm like, ugh, I, I, I don't, ugh. <laughs> I don't feel like it. But am I going to? Yeah. yeah. I just want to watch Eric and China. You say you just want to watch Eric and what? I just want to watch Erica and Shonda. Because I know they're going to be good. I just want to watch. But apparently this is not the season for just watching. Apparently. You know. Therefore, I do not believe I would just be watching. That's all I'm saying.
and I went out and got me a planner, as Sam suggested. She was going to stab me after a while about this plan. Oh, the mic's got the job. Hello? Nobody's listening. Hello? Hello? Hold on. All right, I heard you. Congratulations for Demaris. When does he start? Mid-July. Oh, okay. Oh, he still got a little while. Yeah, because he's going to be hand-pollinating corn for Monsanto. He's going to be working for Monsanto. Hand-pollinating corn. That sounds freaky. <laughs> <laughs> so you where my mind be at. Ooh, I'm hand-pollinating corn. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, I know I got issues. What do you do for a living? I'm a corn pollinator. <laughs> I know that's the same thing, and you know because I forgot what pollination was. So when I said no, first I said he's going to be pollinating corn. She was like, okay, I can't. I'm not going to say it because we're talking about a child. I ain't going to say it. And I was like, what? And then I said, oh, and I said, well, I guess I shouldn't tell you that he'll be pollinating it. She fell out. She just lost it. Like, I tried to be mature, but I I can't in this particular circumstance. Yeah, but, it's, but I, you know, I was explaining to him. I was like, do you know? Because, you know, my baby, he loves science. I said, do you know what this means? Like for your, you know, your future and the connections you're going to make doing a job like this at your age, that's, you know, such a young age, I was like, you're a damn scientist. Come on now. 
I'm very excited for him. And you want to know something? Hello? Yeah, I'm here, but I said, you know, the first thing he said to me, he said, good. He said, okay, he was counting up his money, you know, how much he said, good. So that means I'll have some money to, he said, that means I'll have some money to give you to make up for the bad village that we served. <laughs> for the bad who? Village. Oh. Because <laughs> I thought I was trying to help the village. He said, we just had the wrong village. <laughs> wow. But just the thought, you know, just the fact that he said that mm-hmm. lets me know. And this ain't the first time he said it. He said something like that in the past 48 hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man. Does that mean I'm doing something right? <laughs> Somewhere along the line? Yep. I'll give you one song since Lisa want to sing. Okay. No, like you. Eyes get any higher. The closest thing to the heart of God is help.
But I have been redeemed I am a believer means I pledge my life, giving everything I never knew that this was meant to be. I'm not perfect, but I have been redeemed. Somebody paid the price for me I offer up my life to him And now I say again I am not perfect Oh, but I have been redeemed Oh, yeah I am your brother Somehow I know we'll make this journey in. Make no mistake about it. You have been redeemed, redeemed. While you were yet in your transgression, somebody paid. So offer up your life to him, accept his love and we'll begin. Walk together, we have been redeemed, redeemed, while we were yet in our transgressions. Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile.
Alright. Let's get ready for this reading. Run to the go say she to 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 go run to the go say she to go say she to compress cut the compost cut the go send Brand the go say she to go say she run to the go say she to go say she to run drag run to the go say she to come back Run to the go say she to 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 go run to the go send Run to the go say she to go say she to go say she to she to come back she to can take. Rounded go say she to go say she to go say she to go son rounded go say she to go daka. Ooh, father got yellow to go sadaka. Rondish get it to go say she and rounded go sadaka. Homebrush get it to go say she and rascal to go sata. Homebrush get it to go say and rascal to go sata. Father God, I praise your name. Yellow to go son daddy to go say she to go so we seek your face. Let the word of God come forth. Let the anointing of Christ come forth. Let the spirit of God come forth. Speak to us here to your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're back in the spirit, soul, and body. Yeah, mm-hmm. Playtime is over with. Here we go. I don't even want to turn pages in this. I ain't going to get more than a page or two. Okay, Father God, here we go. Let's see what we got today. A person whose spirit is regenerated and with whom the Holy Spirit abides. Oh, boy, I don't have my phone. Rod needs to be on here, but let me go text him. <laughs> I don't know if he's on here or not. Oh. Funny how this stuff. See, this, 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 this coordination of this stuff could not. I, I, that's why you know it's God. It's just ain't no way. Ain't no way.
of his soul or body. Some very definite actions are required if he is to become spiritual. Generally speaking, we will encounter at least two... <laughs> you all here, Lisa? Yeah, okay. Generally speaking, we will encounter at least two great perils in our life, but we are unable to overcome not only the first, but the second of them as well. These two perils with their corresponding triumphs are that of remaining a perishing sinner or becoming a saved believer and that of continuing a fleshy believer or developing into a spiritual one. I'm going to reread that part again. Generally speaking, we will encounter at least two great perils in our life, but we are unable to overcome not only the first but the second of them as well. These two perils with their corresponding triumphs are that of remaining a perishing sinner or becoming a saved believer and that of continuing as a fleshly believer or developing into a developing 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 into a spiritual one. As sinner turned believer is demonstratively realizable, so carnal turned spiritual is likewise attainable. The God who can change a sinner into a Christian by giving him his life can equally transform the fleshly Christian into a spiritual one, God giving him his life more abundantly. Faith in Christ makes one a regenerated believer. Obedience to the Holy Spirit makes him a spiritual believer. <laughs> Just as the right relationship with Christ generates a Christian, so the proper relationship with the Holy Spirit breeds a spiritual man. See, this is why we don't get through but a page or two of this <laughs> Uh, the spirit alone can render believers spiritual. It is his work to bring men into spirituality. In the arrangement of God's redemptive design, the cross performs the negative work of destroying all which comes from Adam, while the Holy Spirit executes the positive work of building all which comes from Christ. The cross makes spirituality possible to believers, but it is the Holy Spirit who renders them spiritual. The meaning of being spiritual is belonging to the Holy Spirit. He strengthens with might the human spirit so as to govern the entire man. In our pursuit of spirituality, therefore, we must never forget the Holy Spirit. Yet we must not set aside the cross either because the cross and the Spirit work hand in hand. The cross always guides men to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the cross always guides men to the Holy Spirit, while the latter without fail conducts men to the cross. These two never operate independently of each other. A spiritual Christian must experimentally know the Holy Spirit and his spirit. He must pass through several spiritual experiences, several spiritual experiences, 
For the sake of clarity, we should discuss them in somewhat sequential fashion, although in actual practice they frequently occur simultaneously. Quite a few remarks will be made concerning how to be spiritual, but let us not forget what we have learned heretofore. We should realize by now that what hinders one from being spiritual is the flesh. So, if a person maintains a proper attitude towards it, he should encounter no difficulty in making progress. It is surprisingly true that the more spiritual one becomes, the more he knows the flesh, because he increasingly discovers it. Had he not known it, how could he be spiritual? Ooh. Ooh. Had he not known it, how could he be spiritual? Hence, we cannot neglect what has been discussed earlier concerning the flesh, since it serves as the basis for seeking spirituality. Mm. Unless there is this fundamental dealing with the flesh, whatever progress one may make should inevitably be superficial, shallow, and unreal. <laughs> but if one knows how to resist his flesh in all things, denying his activity, power, and opinion, he may be regarded as already spiritual. Nevertheless, he would still like to cite some positive measures which are related, which are related directly to the spirit. Okay, I'm gonna try a little bit more. The salient implications of Hebrews 1:12 is whether we are living by intuitive guidance in the spirit or by the naturally good or bad influence of the soul. The word of God must judge in this particular. I mean, and think about this: what we talked about when we were just getting from instinct, and how we'll come back to spiritual. Okay, you know, so now he's saying, because we all, we all have instinct, whether you're a child of God or a child of, or not, of the devil. But now, again, instinct and spiritual, that's why I said at times I would insert spiritual, because I understood what he was talking about, but I also understood his audience. He wasn't writing strictly to the body of Christ as he was writing in general. But he was still talking about the spirit of God. That's why I would insert that. So now... In this particular sentence here, we're talking about, I'm, I'm going to use the word instinct, but, it, it, but again, this is a lot more deeper revelation. The salient implication of Hebrews 4 and 12 is whether we are living by intuitive guidance in the spirit or by the naturally good or bad influence of the soul. The word of God must judge in this particular respect. For only God's sharp sword can differentiate the source of our living. I got two more paragraphs. As a man's knife cuts and divides the joint marrow, so God's sword too pierces and separates the most intimately linked spirit and soul. Initially, such dividing may be simply a matter of knowledge. Oh, boy. But it is essential that it entered the realm of experience. Otherwise, it shall in fact never be understood. Believers should allow the Lord to introduce the cleaving of spirit and soul into the... Mm. Well, I hope Fannie Marie is on here because I, I talked to you yesterday, girl, and that's why I, when you saw me just listening to you and why I told you what I told you this morning, because I heard you, but then again, I heard you. And that's why I asked the question that I asked. Uh Okay, I mean this. See, that's why. Yeah, this, this, this book here. 
I, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the, through this last paragraph and a half, but it's it's just so much meat. It's just so much meat. Believers should allow the Lord to introduce the cleaving of spirit and soul into their practical walk. Not only must they seek it positively with consecration, prayer, and yieldedness to the operation of the Holy Spirit and the cross, but also they must actually possess such experience. Father God, their spirit needs to be liberated from the soul's binding enclosure. These two must be parted cleanly, even as the spirit and soul of the Lord Jesus were not one bit mixed. Then two of the spirit needs to be freed wholly from any influence which may come, come from solical mind and emotion. The spirit must be the sole residence and office of the Holy Spirit. It must be released from every disturbance, disturbance of the soul. It's just like, you know, somebody knocking on your door. What? He's saying that the the soul disturbs the spirit. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay, turn the fan on, Dad. You got the house smoked up. If you heard me, Daddy, turn the stove, turn the fan on. The various experience of having his outer and inner man divided will make a believer spiritual. A spiritual believer differs from others for the simple reason that his entire being is governed by his spirit. Mm. Such spirit control connotes more than the Holy Spirit's authority over the soul and body of man. It also signifies that man's own spirit, upon being elevated as head over the whole man through the working of the Holy Spirit and the cross, is no longer ruled by the soul and body, but is, po <coughs> but is powerful enough to subject them to its rule. The division of these two organs is necessary for entering spiritual life. It is that preparation without which believers shall continue to be affected by the soul and hence shall always pursue a mixed course, sometimes walking according to the spirit life, but other times walking according to the natural life. Their pathway fails to be marked by purity, for both spirit and soul are the life principles. This mixture holds believers fast within the soulish framework, which damages their walk as well as hinders the important work of the spirit. While believers' outer and inner life definitely separated, so he walks not according to the former, but according to the latter, he would sense instantaneously any movement in the soul mm, and immediately shake off his power and influence as though being defiled. Indeed, everything belonging to the soulish is defiled and can defile the spirit. But upon experiencing the partition of soul and spirit, the latter's intuitive power becomes king. As soon as the soul stirs, the spirit suffers and will resist right away. The spirit may even be grieved at the inordinate stirring of the soul in others. Oof, really? Oh, 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 did y'all get that, Lisa? Did, did, did you hear what I just said? 
The spirit may even be grieved at the inordinate stirring of the soul in others. Mm. I got a few more sentences, okay? Just bear with me because I know this is just... It will, in fact, repulse... <laughs> Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It will, in fact, repulse a person's soulish love or natural affection as something unbearable. Only after experiencing such separation do Christians come into possession of a genuine sense of cleanliness. They then know that not sin alone, but all which belongs to the soulish is defiled and defiling and ought to be resisted. Nay, it is far more than simply knowing, for any contact with what is soulish, whether in themselves or in others, causes the intuitive spirit to feel defiled and to demand instant cleansing. Okay. 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 That's it. Mm. Jesus, really? Really? Oh, I mean, I'm sitting up here reading this. I'm getting more clarity for things pertaining to me. I'm seeing answers to some of the things that you all have been talking and dealing with. It's, 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 uh. Okay, I'm going to reread this stuff again. But this is just crazy, man. That's all I got to say. I'm going to just do an Ericaism. Now, first I'm going to go, mm. Then I'm going to go, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. Because <laughs> this, this here, okay. I mean, man, that's... All right. Well, that was actually three pages. A person whose spirit is regenerated and within whom the Holy Spirit abides can still be fleshly. For his spirit may yet be under the oppression of his soul or body. Some very definite actions are required if he is to become spiritual. So we talk about this. And this I was talking, I hope Rod is on because he asked this question a couple of times. And do you see the word that he uses, the Spirit is under the oppression of the soul and the body. So you are saved. That means your spirit has been become born again, but it is still compared to your soul, compared to your body or your flesh. It's weak, so it's under its oppression. It's subjected to that which the which the soul desires to do, or the flesh. And most of the body of Christ. They're clueless about this. It's not understood and it's definitely not taught. Wonder why we do what we do. And then we'll go around and judge others as well as ourselves, not understanding fully what's at work. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Generally speaking, we will encounter at least two great perils in our life but are unable to overcome not only the first, but the second of them as well. These two perils with the corresponding trials are that of remaining a perishing sinner or becoming a saved believer. So the first one, receiving salvation. That's where it starts with. 
becoming all everything else as far as the fruit, the all everything else as far as growth in Christ cannot occur until you first accept Christ. That's why when you're born again, you're a babe, you're a child. So it starts with salvation. But then after salvation, it says, a perishing sinner becoming a saved believer, and that of continuing as a fleshly believer or developing into a spiritual one. So now you are a believer, but you're fleshly. Again, you're, you're used to being governed by your own whims and ways. You're used to being governed by the ways of the world, the rules of the world. But now here you are born again. Now nah, it's a whole nother agenda. A whole nother level of understanding. Ooh, Father God. A sinner turned believer is demonstrably realizable, so carnal turned spiritual is likewise attainable. The God who can change a sinner into a Christian by giving him his life can equally transform the fleshly Christian to a spiritual one by giving his life more abundantly. So first you get his life, then you get his life more abundantly. Faith in Christ makes one a regenerated believer. Obedience to the Holy Spirit makes him a spiritual one. Bada boom, bada bing. Accepting Christ as my Savior, I'm saved. Obedience to the Holy Spirit, I'm spiritual. Let me say that again. Acceptance of Christ as my Savior, I'm saved. Obedience to the Holy Spirit, I'm spiritual. Just as the right relationship with Christ generates a Christian, so the proper relationship with the Holy Spirit breeds a spiritual man. The Spirit alone can render believers spiritual. Now, look, 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 look. And this is very, very important. I'm referring to the gentleman who called in a while back. The Word of God is the only thing that can separate the soul from the Spirit. Nothing else. Nothing else. He's saying the spirit alone can render believers spiritual. We we got to get an understanding. Of that. I was actually pondering on that earlier. I, uh, fasting, you know, because I'm actually just finishing a fast, and and even though it's a powerful weapon, but what separates spirit and soul? The Word of God. It is his work to bring men into spirituality. In the arrangement of God's redemptive design, the cross performs the negative work of destroying all which comes from Adam, while the Holy Spirit expects to ex execute the positive work of building all which comes from Christ. So God's redemptive design, again, this is the way God orchestrated all this stuff. I didn't make this up. This is how God says this is how it's going to work. So we keep trying to figure out some other way, trying to know this. No, this is the way that God has ordained for this thing to work. We need to quit trying to fight and come up with our own plans and ideas and see, learn the pattern. That's what T.D. say, learn how this thing called life works. Learn this and then apply it. This is God's design. So his design is the cross performs the negative work of destroying all which comes from Adam. So first of all, through the cross, through the sufferings of Christ on the cross, we receive salvation. 
because God, Jesus restored, that was the first Adam lost. He regained was the first Adam lost. So now we receive salvation. But now it's time for us to grow up. So all the, the cross performs a negative work, but destroying always comes from Adam, while the Holy Spirit executes the positive work of building always comes from Christ. The cross mark makes spirituality possible to believers, but the Holy Spirit who renders, them, who renders them spiritual. The meaning of being spiritual is to belong to the Holy Spirit. He strengthens with might the human spirit so as to govern the entire man. Mm. The meaning of being spiritual is to belong to the Holy Spirit. He strengthens with might the human spirit so as to govern the entire man. He grows you up. He increases in your life. He gives you understanding and revelation. And the spirit begins to increase. And as your spirit begins to increase, he begins to take control over your vessel. But it's a process. Don't think it's going to happen overnight. Don't get upset and offended when it doesn't. In our pursuit of spirituality, therefore, we must never forget the Holy Spirit. Yet we must not set aside the cross either because the cross and the Spirit work hand in hand. The cross always guides men to the Holy Spirit while the latter without fail conducts men to the cross. These two never operate independently of each other. A spiritual Christian must experimentally know the Holy Spirit and his Spirit. He must pass through several spiritual experiences, for the sake of clarity, we should discuss them in somewhat sequential fashion, although in actual practice, they frequently occur simultaneously. A spiritual Christian must experimentally know the Holy Spirit and his spirit. In other words, you've got to get beyond reading it in a book. You know, we talk about when you go to college, when you come out, the application of what you learn is a whole other thing than what it is when you learned it in school. Is college necessary? Yes, it's necessary because it provides a foundation. But now when you get out into the real world where you're experiencing, then you need to know how to tweak what to pull from it and what not to. And see, that's the same thing he's saying. The cross provides salvation. But now growing up in that's why I always talk about application of the word of God. Growing up in this thing. See, all that head knowledge is one thing, but when you begin to actually apply it, you begin to get an understanding of what it takes. Why did I holler at everybody on Sunday? Because I understand what it takes to, to actually become and walk in this business realm. Not the, not the presumptive ideas of what you think it takes because you ain't doing it. I understand, how some, I understand what it takes from somebody who has a job to transfer to who an entrepreneur. It's a whole other mentality. So I might seem a little harsh or bold, but you know what it is, what it is. So experimentally, there's a whole other realm. And if you, refuse, if you refuse to enter into the experiential part, then stay where you're at, but you're staying in head knowledge. And going back to T.D. Jakes, you stand down there with the turtles while everybody else trying to eat from the trees. Same scenario. Quite a few remarks will be made concerning how to be spiritual, but let us not forget what we have learned heretofore. We should realize by now what hinders one from being spiritual is his flesh. What hinders one from being spiritual is his flesh. So if a person maintains a proper attitude 
towards it, he should encounter no difficulty in making progress. It's surprisingly true that the more spiritual one becomes, the more he knows his flesh, because he increasingly discovers that is such a powerful thing. That's what Paul said. Well, what he said, that when I try to do good, I do bad. When I try to do bad, I do good. You know, bottom line, I, when I try to do this, I do that. He, you begin to discover your flesh because again, rear his head. Before you didn't know no better, you were just doing now because you're beginning to try to see and to move toward the direction of the Holy Spirit. The flesh rears his head and you see it for what it is because God is showing it to you. It's surprising true. The more one spiritual becomes, the more he knows his flesh because he increases discovers it. Had he not known it, how could he be spiritual? Hence, we cannot neglect what has been discussed earlier concerning the flesh, since it serves as the basis for seeking spirituality. Unless there is this fundamental dealing with the flesh, whatever progress one may make shall inevitably be superficial, shallow, and unreal. Ooh, head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge. But if one knows how to resist his flesh in all things, denying its activity, power, and opinion, he may be regarded as already spiritual. Nevertheless, he would still like to cite some positive measures which are related directly to the spirit. The salient implication of Hebrews 4.12 is whether we are living by intuitive guidance in the spirit or by the naturally good or bad influence of the soul. The word of God must judge in this particular respect, for only God's sharp sword can differentiate the source of our living, the source of your living. What are you drawing from? Are you drawing from the soul or are you drawing from the spirit? Only the word of God can, can separate that. Nothing else. I'm out. That's just what the Bible says. Now, you might have your own understanding and somebody might have told you this, that, and told them. But according to God's word, only the word of God can separate the soul from the spirit. As man's knife cuts and divides joint and marrow, so God's sword too pierces and separates the most intimately linked spirit and soul. Mm. Intimately linked spirit. So see, now I'm going back into that diagram that Pam drew up. Intimately means closely connected actually intersecting each other, to be honest with you. Initially, such dividing may be simply a matter of knowledge, but it is essential that it enter the realm of experience. Otherwise, it shall, in fact, never be understood. So in other words, it's going to enter into the realm of knowledge. Why? Because you got to learn it. you got to study it. Again, you study stuff. You begin to see stuff, but it sinks down in your heart. But... For it to really become you, you have to go through an experience. I mean, I'm going to just bring up the process of pledging. It's called paper cues or real cues. Y'all, you can be a paper cue. You can sign your name on the dotted line. Now, we'll, we'll take you in. But to be to go through the experience, to be a real cue, that intimacy that you desire when you join the organization, you got to go through experience, which ain't that quite friendly. So that's what he's saying. You can you can read about this all you want. You can have a paper knowledge, but to really understand and become understanding and link with the Holy Spirit and walk in the spiritual aspect, 
You gotta go through. You gotta go through the tests and trials which God is gonna bring your way. You ain't gotta go looking for them. Trust and believe. They coming your way. Believers should allow the Lord to introduce this cleaving of spirit and soul into their practical walk. The Lord introduces the cleaving. You don't have to go looking. I'm gonna go divide my. Oh, no, you ain't. Because first of all, if you're trying to go do it, you ain't. You're the one that's doing it. it ain't gonna bear not. There's nothing not to it. Nope, nope, nope. Not 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 gonna happen. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's your mentor. He will bring all us to pass. And to be very honest, and you know, once you start walking a thing, you you quit looking for stuff. <laughs> when you really understand what it takes to deal with it, you're like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. Not only must they seek it positively, I'm going to stop back. Believers should allow the Lord to introduce this cleaving of spirit and soul into their practical walk. Not only must they seek it positively with consecration, prayer, and yieldingness to the operation of the Holy Spirit and the cross, but also they must actually possess such experience. Their spirit needs to be liberated from the soul's binded enclosure. These two must be parted cleanly, even as the spirit and soul of the Lord Jesus were not one big mix. Then two of the spirit needs to be freed wholly from any influence which may come from the solical mind of emotion. The spirit must be the sole residence and office of the Holy Spirit. It must be released from every disturbance of the soul. So as the word of God enters in, and going back to the thing again, this is a process. As the word of God enters in and separates cleanly spirit and soul, the spirit to really operate in its fullness but be cleanly separated, completely separated from the soul. But I must go back again to let you know this is a process, one that will not happen overnight. Now this is going to probably take years. Why do I say that? Because it took you years to get into that state. It took you years. How old are you? None of y'all like 35 like me, so okay. So let's say for 30 years, say I'm 35, so for 30 years I've been operating under the leadership of my so now I'm going to automatically just jump to the leadership of my spirit like that? No, it doesn't happen like that. It's a process. And it's best that you look at it that way so that you don't beat yourself up, walk in condemnation and all this. When you miss up, mess up, when you, when you, when you go back to that what you're trying to get away from. The various experience of having this outer and inner man divided will make a believer spiritual. A spiritual believer differs from others for the simple reason that his entire being is governed by his spirit. Mm. His entire being is governed by his spirit. That means it's your spirit who's leading you. It's your spirit that you're yielding to. That's why you got to get past how you feel. Ain't got nothing to do with it. Your emotions will tell you every which way but loose. That's what the purpose of the wilderness experience, because you have to learn how to rely on the word of God when you don't feel or experience his presence. Your entire being being governed by the Holy Spirit.
A spiritual believer distant from others for the simple reason that his entire being is governed by his spirit. Such spirit control connotes more than the Holy Spirit's authority over the soul and body of man. It also signifies a man's own spirit upon being elevated as head over the old man through the working of the Holy Spirit and the cross is no longer ruled by the soul and body, but is powerful enough to subject them to its rule. So in other words, the spirit is taking dominion over your vessel. It is no longer being subjected. What he started with, the oppression, the spirit experiencing the oppression of the soul, the oppression of the flesh. Now the spirit has risen to a point that I got this, I'm governing this, I'm controlling this. The division of these two organs is necessary for entering spiritual life. It is that preparation without which believers shall continue to be affected by the soul, and hence shall always pursue a mixed course, sometimes walking according to the spirit life, but other times walking according to the natural life. I'm going to read that again. The division of these two organs is necessary for entering spiritual life. It is that preparation without which believers shall continue to be affected by the soul, and hence shall always pursue a mixed course. Sometimes walking according to the spirit, but other times walking according to the natural life. All the day I'm walking according to the spirit, tomorrow I'm walking. That ain't even a daily thing. You'll be good for you be good till you get on this phone. And as soon as you get off this line, something happen. Bam. There you go, right into carnality. It's a process, people. Remember the stock market, up, down, up, down, but overall you want to be going up. Their pathway fails to be marked by purity, for both spirit and soul are, are their life principles. This may, Okay, I'm going to go back to here. Sometimes walk to the spirit life, but other times walking according to the natural life. So in other words, he's talking about those going back and forth, back and forth. Their pathway fails to be marked by purity, for both spirit and soul are their life principles. This mixture holds believers fast within a soulless framework, which damages their walk as well as hinders the work of the spirit. Where a believer's outer and inner life definitely separated so that he walks not according to the former, but according to the latter, he will sense instantaneously any movement in his soul and immediately shake off his power and influence as though being defiled. Now, see, here we're really about to get into something. And see, this is Lisa. I, I, I just see what she's going through. Even though I know it understood, but this is giving language to what she's experiencing. You get to a point in this walk as you, you know, you're coming more and more out, yielding more and more to the spirit. But then all of a sudden you, you something to happen and you just, you sense it. Mm. You sense it in your spirit. But he's about to point out now, you can even sense it in other people's spirits and you'll be grieved. See that, 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 mm. Oh, Jesus. Got the book upside down. Well, believers outer inner life definitely separated, so he walks not according to the former, but according to the latter. He will sense instantaneously any movement in his soul and immediately shake off his power and influence as though being defiled. Indeed, everything belonging to the believer, everything belonging to the soulish is defiled and can defile the spirit. But upon experience <clears throat> 
experience and partition of soul and spirit, the latter's into its power becomes most keen. And what just got to me, that's why the word of God tells you to cast down imaginations. Because as soon as it rears, it's going to rear up, cast it off. Cast it down. Don't even let it. Don't even let. See, that's your soul, your mind, will, and emotion. Don't let it even rise up and keep. What does what she ponder on it? You keep pondering on it, then it's going to begin to affect your spirit. So when it first rears its ugly head, cast it off, keep it moving. You don't even give it enough thought, action, and energy to develop from your soul enough to begin to affect your spirit. See, that means a pattern has taken something that's grown over a period of time, so now it can affect your spirit. It doesn't automatically affect your spirit unless it's that strong. What did Mark say? A dead horse don't kick nobody or whatever he says, something like that. So in other words, if that aspect of your walk is dead, you won't even have to worry about it affecting your spirit because it's dead. But those things that are alive, they still have strength. Indeed, everything belonging to the soulish is defiled and can defile the spirit. But upon experiencing the partition of soul and spirit, the latter's intuitive power becomes most keen. As soon as the soul stirs, the spirit suffers and will resist right away. He said, in other words, your spirit will recede right away. Say, nope, not on, stop. The spirit may even be grieved at the inordinate stirring of the soul and others. Now, I, I'm just going to read that. I, I'm i going to read it again. might even read it again because I think that will probably, I'm going to say it like this, in the nicest way I can say it, why Erica's butt twitches. Because, you know, there's some things that happen, and you just go, really? Because... There's some flesh rearing up, and your spirit is keenly enough going, really? Why it's a necessity that we get to the point of understanding separation of spirit from soul. So not only does it go, really, because see, it's one thing, it's bad enough, you got to deal with yourself. That, that, that's a full-time job. Because your own flesh gets to kicking up. And again, the more you walk in this, the more you begin to see, and the more you got, I got to put, I got to put, I got to stop. I got to stop because my, my flesh, I'm seeing it. No, uh-uh, I'm having problems. I need to just pull away right now, get me back in order, then I can deal. But then you got to deal with it from others, and you go, that ain't nowhere near close to the Spirit of God. But you just sit there and look at them and go, okay. I'll just read that again. But upon experiencing this partition of soul and spirit, the latter's intuitive power becomes most keen. As soon as the soul stirs, the spirit suffers and will resist right away. The spirit may even be grieved at the inordinate stirring of the soul and others. It will, in fact, repulse a person's soulish love or natural affection as something unbearable. Only after experiencing such separation do Christians come into possession of genuine sense of cleanliness. Then they know that not sin alone, but all which belongs to the soulish is defiled and defiling and ought to be resisted. Nay, it is far more than simply knowing for any contact with what is soulish, whether in themselves or in others, causes their intuitive spirit to feel defiled and to demand instant cleansing. And that is our lesson for today. Yep, back to spirit, soul, and body. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody like, really? Uh-huh. Yep. I ain't saying nothing else. Anybody else got something to say? I'm about to do me a juice, so y'all can figure that out. Nobody got anything out of this juice. Um, take prayer requests.
Rombos kerja rugosan, ras kerja rugosan, ran rugosan, ran rugosan, dar rugosan, desh kerja rugomboko, ronde kerja rugosan, 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 confessions that you have up on your wall that you when you pass by you can look at it and speak life to yourself because I know you got all the other ones on your wall too right so you're just going to add this one to it okay that's what I thought so that needs to be another one of your confessions we're just talking about the word of God 
that separates the soul from the spirit. So that when you're walking and you see that and you're walking, you know, I don't feel like being bothered. I don't want to do this. This don't make no sense. And you can look at that and you can speak that into your life. The race is not given to the swift nor to the fast, but he who endures to the end. And then when you keep saying that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to say one day you're going to look at that. The race is not given to the swift nor the fast, but it's given to me because I'm going to endure to the end, Holy Spirit. Father, give me the strength so that I will make it through, Lord. I don't want to stop where I'm at, but, Lord, I want to walk. Matter of fact, Lord, you know what? I'm tired of walking. It's time to run. See, one day you're going to read that because you're going to be I'm. You know what? I got to move. I got to move. I might have been moving to this place, but I got to move. I'm not only going to not quit, I'm about to run. I'm about to run because it's time for me to move. <laughs> and God has not see, see, see what's going to get you to that point because you're going to look at that. And then one day you're going to really, really realize that Deuteronomy confession because you're going to say, wait a minute, I haven't quit. I might not be where I'm at, but when you look back and you're going to see all the victories that God has done in your life. When you look back, you're going to see how God has saved and brought you to this point. And you're going to stand and say, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, wait a minute. Woo-hoo! No, wait a minute. Mm-mm. God didn't bring me all the way up to this point to say, ha ha. You know what, God, let's do this. I believe. I can make it. Come on now. See, see, that's when that 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 confidence in His Word <laughs> begins to set in at another level. Cause see, let's be honest with you. And I talked about this before. We don't run after the things of God because we don't truly believe them. You can say all that you want to say, but I I understand that now. That's why I say it like that. Because, see, we're truly walking after the things of God because we're, well, you know, okay, Lord. And it's fine because it's a process. But, see, that's just what we talked about in that experiential aspect of it. You literally, you see, right now you're at the point where you're testing and you're trying God out as well. You are truly walking and walking after it. You're walking slow, and I I mess with you about it, but I'd rather you walk slow than not at all. Because, see, I remember when you were not walking. So I'm going to mess with you. That's my job. That's my job. And I'm I'm letting everybody know when y'all get into this business incubator thing, oh, it's coming. It's coming. See, that's my job. So I'm going to mess with you because you're walking slow. Because I'm going to inspire you to keep walking. I'm going to inspire you that, yes, you can trust and inspire. I want you to get to the point that you can run. So you're walking circumstances. You're trying. You're testing. And you're walking out on God's word. And it's a growth process. And praise the Lord that you're doing it. But that day that you and you realize that his word has held you up to this point. The day that you get to the point in your walk, say, hold on, wait a minute. Oh, no. 
I can walk at this pace, and God gives me the strength. I think I want to run. See, that's the day when you're going to begin to celebrate. That's the day you're going to say, hold up. You're going to shift again, and you're going to go to a whole nother level and a whole nother pace, and it ain't going to be concerned about whoever's running because of that day, girl, you're going to you talk about shed some feathers and going to the next level. That's, that's the day I'm looking for. So good woman, just keep walking, baby girl. Keep pressing. Keep, look, look, keep crying, screaming, and all that other stuff that we do. Just don't quit. Again, because the race is not given to the swift or the slow to the fast, whatever I just said, but he who endures to the end. And that is my prayer for you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. All right, who's next? I'm not near my phone. Let me go check my phone. Be a hard day's night working like a dawn. Okay, I don't see anybody want to pray on my text messages. Okay. Hello. Oh, man. Yep. Yes. That's correct. And see, and then I know your sister coming right after you. See, y'all ain't right. Y'all ain't right. You know a brother getting ready to do my countdown. She's in a, a train. Did you get the message this morning? She's doing an elder elder training this morning. Oh no, I don't know. So she she's actually facilitating. So she's not even you know at her desk. Oh, so she will most likely not be on today. Yeah. Too bad. So sad. Yeah, I can hear it all in your voice. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, so. What you want prayer for, woman? I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, I don't know. I do know, I guess, but I don't even know how to articulate it. Just to say the course, discernment, wisdom, you know, and just to say, say the course no matter what no matter what's happening, no matter what they look like, to stay the course. Yeah. Um, Unless, of course, there's something else that, you know, that 
that hits you. You said what? I said just, there's some other stuff that, private stuff that I'll pay for, but just whatever else um, hits you. Okay. All right, I'm going to pray for your new Legacy Academy. Your baby. That's my baby. That I want to get rid of and drop off at the babysitters and don't come back and pick up and just leave at the police station. I'm gone. Y'all take care of her. You know what? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know. Because you know that's how you feel at times. That's how I feel right now. Well, there you go. All right, woman of God. Brand new station, brand new station. The gumbos, the station, brand new station. The Gandaka. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Father, I'm praying for new legacy. The other station, Deke, the station, Sandaka. The other station, brand new station. Deke. Hundred station, 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 Randal go station go station go station go station go saraga randa or rombos karaganda Father God, New Legacy Academy, Ghost Karadagandaka, continue to promote the anointed, continue to keep it. Tender Ghost continue to give it life so it may thrive as the institution, as the entity that you have called it to be. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For keeping new legacy in you. It is founded upon your blood. It is founded upon your word and it is established by the Holy Spirit. It will rise up to do all that you have called it to be, Father, as you continue to develop it, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory that your hand upon new legacy's life. And you will continue to use it in the fullness and in the manner. Bless new legacy and keep it in your life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And now, pray for Lisa Big Head Brown. Yep. Father God, let me lift up the woman that you chose to birth New Legacy. The woman that you chose to say, you know what, I've been looking for somebody that I feel is capable of handling this vessel that I desire to be birthed in the earth. He chose you for that. Remember the story about Jesus, or I should say Mary and Joseph and the angel? The angel came and told her that, Blessed are thou highly favored among women. So just think about that. God said, I got a woman that I'm choosing. 
to birth my institution that is needed for these last days. I got a woman who's willing to endure, to persevere, to through what's necessary and needed for my vessel to come forth. I got a woman that's willing to go through the birthing pains, the travail, the anguish, the disgust of rearing this vessel till it is established as I have desired it to be. I have anointed this woman, oh my God, with my power and with my presence. Mm, wow. That's an actual discussion that Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had with Satan about you and new legacy. Oh, my God. That's an actual discussion that they had. You know, they talk about in the Word of God, you know, with Job, have you considered my servant? They said, well, check this out. You see that one right there? I'm going to get this to her and watch her pull it through. Ooh, come on now. Lord, 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 have mercy, Jesus. Jesus, you know what that said? God got confidence in you. Come on now. And look, I know how you feeling, because you're like, how you going to have confidence in me, Lord, when I ain't got confidence in myself? Come on now. Look, I know that's what you're saying. That's exactly what just went through my mind. You know, and, and see, those are the things that, that's why, again, why it's a necessity of understanding spirit, soul, and body, because what happen is we're going to get pulled to these brinks and we're going to really lower. But see, because we are the processes that are occurring as we're growing, instead of us falling upon the carnality and the flesh, we choose to fall upon the life of the spirit. Because, see, we're falling. We're getting kicked. We're getting pushed. But the thing is, we've experienced enough of doing it our own way. We had enough of having things under our own control, of doing things the way that I want to be done, and we see the results, and we have come to a point in our walk and say, you know what, Lord? I don't like this, but I choose to stand for you rather than standing in me. So now... Understand that this is literally a conversation that has been had about you and New Legacy. So if you get that understanding, that will give you a better understanding of the attacks, of the greatness of all this. Why all this coming forth? Because I wanted to do a school. I got, what, five students? I had 20. I'm down to five. What's this all about? It's about a contest between God and Satan, seeing if you're going to finish it or not. It's about a contract. Wow. You out wow. and say, hey, she going to do a checkup. There she go. Mm. Mm. Joe. Mm. Mm. You're going through. You're going through. But God. Mm-mm-mm. But God. But God. And you say, did I really ask for this? Eh, you know, you're the best of the class. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go on and take that. I'm going to take it to soothe my soul. Thank you very much. 
I mean, because the thing about it, when we get going through all this hell, like, did I really ask for it? But see, what does it say in his word? He said he was walking through the land to and fro. I got to find a specific, but bottom line is he was walking around finding, looking for someone who was foolish enough to stand and to trust him at his word. And then when he found those who are not only willing to be obedient and faithful, then he chooses them and places them where he wants them to be. So that's what it was. You were foolish enough, even in your foolishness, to trust him. And see, for you, let me break this down. I want you to know how powerful what I just said. Even in your foolishness, even in your, your, your relationship with God, where you truly were at a point you, you don't trust him, you don't like him, you feel that he left and abandoned you, even in all of that, he still chose you because he said you can bring it through. Now, come on now. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? You still look. You look in the guy. He said, "You look in the guy's side eye, like really, yeah, okay. I'm still. I'm gonna take this step, but I'm really seeing. Are you gonna fulfill it? Okay, God, I'm gonna take another step, but really, God, I don't know about all this. And He still chose you to do this. Wow. Wow. Again, He trusts you more than you trust Him. He trusts you more than you trust yourself. So I guess there is a phoenix inside of you, woman. I guess there is a power inside of you that you truly are beginning to come to grips with and not only come to grips with, but is being placed under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. See, before that phoenix was out there under your leadership, just talked about soul and spirit. That phoenix was out there doing what your soul wanted to do. But now that phoenix is being subjected willfully by you choosing to place it under the leadership of the true fire. Come on now. Because see, that phoenix originated from the true fire. That's the only reason that phoenix subdued because of yeah, okay. That's the true fire. I might have a fire of God, but that is God. Come on. Oh, oh, oh. I might have the fire of God. That means God placed that fire inside of me, but he's the one that created it. So I will submit to him because he created me. And what's even deeper down inside of your spirit that's what you even said out of your mouth. You were created for this. That's when we talk about T.D. Jakes and your core, that resonates outside of your core so much. Even in the midst of you wanting to quit and go back, and come, I was created for this. It's inside of me. I want to quit, but I can't because it's who I am. And if I quit right now, that means I will be stopping. And I refuse to bow down. I refuse to turn away. Shut it up. So now you reminded me of myself when you get to the point that you get on your own nerves because you want to quit and say the hell with all this, but something keeps you pushing. Walk on, woman of God. Keep on pressing, woman of God. 
Keep yielding to that which God wants you to do. In Jesus' name I pray, man. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm trying to act right with these kids in the car. (laughs) Trying to act right. You know, I'm trying to act right. No, since when are you trying to do that? Oh, I forgot this is the new you. Right, 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 right. Wow, that gave me every every piece of life, every sort of life. Yep, that gave me life, man. That gave, that, that gave me life. I needed that. I needed that today. Hitting my leg until I hit a hole in it. I'll go next. Ah, Brother Mark, Brother Mark, Brother Mark. Surely. Alright, Father God, you coming back? Rando go say she go say she go so rambaka. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. The 
Eastern Wall. Words fail to capture the experience. It will leave an impression on me forever. Today we reaffirm the unbreakable bond of friendship between Israel and the United States. The friendship on our shared love of freedom. Uh, you're present over there in, in, in Israel talking crap. But anyway. Oh, Father God, let me pray for Mark. All right, that's Mark's land. I forgot about that. He's a Jew. What are you doing now, brother, man? I'm just sitting at my desk, yeah, sure. Cool, that's exactly what I need you to be. I just want you to close your eyes and just let the Holy Spirit in. Let that peace The peace that surpasses all understanding come and communicate with you. The peace of God dwell within and without His whole presence just saturating you. Settling you down even more and more. Allowing the fullness of who he called you to be to rise up. So much turmoil that's inside of you, man of God. So much pushing and pulling. Mm. But let God's peace rise up. Let his anointing increase. He will establish you. He has proven himself to be real. As you step out more and more. Shut it up, God. See, now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is what he told me. To others, it might seem like you stepped in. But he said, in reality, you're tiptoeing. <laughs> and when I was when I was praying for Felicia about moving slow, in reality, you see, you you say one thing, but in reality, okay, God, for myself and for what you want me to do, I'm I'm on tiptoe for a variety of different reasons. You're tiptoeing, but God says that's okay. You just keep tiptoeing toward me. I'm gonna work with you. I'm gonna reel you in. Because I have that one thing that you're missing, but you need in your life. That one thing that will break every yoke, every bondage, every barrier. That one thing that will fulfill you in all aspects of your life. That one thing is my love, says the Lord. I love you, I love you, 
I love you and I have never forsaken you. And right now, I want you to experience my love. Let me carry you to where I want you to be. And you will fulfill all that I called you to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Mm, Interesting. Amen. All righty. Okay. Who's next? Who else wants prayer going once? Who else wants prayer going twice? Going three times. All right. Well, I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to send out your brother a text. (laughs) Mark, I'm going on mute. I got busy all of a sudden. (laughs) He He just talked about peace, then he come disrupting it. Really? That's all right, because you t- you do understand I got a power button on my phone. <laughs> and you understand I got a power button on my phone, and I ain't talking about the one I got in my hand either. I don't care. No, you don't care, huh? Really? I do, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, you backtrack real quick. <laughs> I do, but I don't. I no. That's about that's about bad as I I be uttering my mouth. Okay, the call go in early and written. No, no, I don't even say that no more. Cause as soon as I say that out my mouth, <laughs> uh huh, I understand. I understand. I don't see nobody else is texting me, so I'm gonna wait a few minutes for him and Anybody want to pray for my child? She just woke up and said, I will pray. Anybody want to pray for my child? Sure. Somebody will. I will. Doesn't matter to me. Hold on. Here she is. All right, here.
Father, we ask that she would help her with the secret things as well as those things that she desires in her heart, Father God. And we just ask that you would continue to strengthen her, guide her, and continue to form her as a that you would cause her to be, Father God, in her sphere of influence as well as at her school and other places around in church, Father God. We just ask that you would continue to strengthen and guide her, lead her, and provoke her to greatness, Father God. And we just ask that you would continue to do so by your strength and by your mercy and by your grace, Father. And we just ask that you would continue to just show her to whom you are and who she is, Father God, through you. And we just ask these things in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, up. All right. That's it. So anybody else want prayer? Nate's not coming on. Anybody else want prayer going once? Anybody else want prayer going twice? Anybody else want prayer going three times? Okie dokie, Smokey. Well, I'm going to say au revoir. And and I pray holla- for you this morning, Sam. Hmm? I prayed for you this morning before I got to work um, when I was praying for oh. you. Works for good. Sounds like a plan, Stan. All right. All right. Uh, I'll let y'all tomorrow. Okay. We don't have nothing. We don't have nothing else today. Ah, uh, not that I know of. <laughs> wait, 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 Sam. Well, not yet. It was headed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> not yet. I understand. I understand. I understand. <laughs> All right, bud. All right.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.